Welcome to Week in Horror. You gotta be fucking kidding. The only podcast that will feed your horror need. The need to feed. With JL. Yeah, I'm a fucking masochist. I'll watch that shit. <laughs> Eugene. Somebody has to be the sex symbol. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alex. Shit, I just demonetize this forever. And Johnny O. How do you like that shit? Got half through the monologue. <laughs> Before unmuting myself. Golly, it's one of those fucking days. <laughs> With industry guests. Hi, this is Richard Oakes, director of host. Hey, this is Adam Leader, director of host. This is Matthew Mark Hunter. I'm Donna Nelly. And you're listening to Weekend Horror. And you're listening to Weekend Horror. And this is Weekend Horror. And you're listening to Weekend Horror. Welcome to prime time, bitch! News, trivia, and more. One by one, we will take you. Join our live show Wednesdays at 7 central, youtube.com slash weekinhorror, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Week in Horror. Stay scared. Well, 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 welcome back, horror fans. It's Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time, and that means it's time for another episode of the Weekend Horror Podcast. The only podcast that ain't leading but two things right now, Jack and shit, and Jack just left town. And don't forget, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast host, you can join us here for our live show on YouTube so you two can laugh and scream with us, flex your horror knowledge, and maybe even win some trivia prizes. This week, we're covering select films released in horror history, November 21st through November 27th. Jesus fucking Christ, are you kidding me? Who the fuck <laughs> are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> a bit. Where Thank is you. the year going? <laughs> well, they locked us away two years ago, and all of a sudden, the fucking time just went. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm Johnny O, and with me tonight are JL and Eugene. Good evening, all of you amazing horror fans. No, if you're going to say it, you got to say it right. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> oh, buddy, buddy, buddy. Yeah, yes, that is the question. Where the hell is the year going? Because, like, like next episode is the last one of November, and we're in the end of 2021, man. <laughs> Yeah, my, my daughter, we were at the grocery store earlier. My daughter was like, hey, uh, when's Christmas? I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's <laughs> it's months away. It's like, uh, son of a bitch. I've real, I realized this is what happens. This this is what happened to me. And, I, and it was about, uh, it took about almost a year of doing the show. And then my head got into that space where you just, you're doing this because we do the show and then we air drop it a week early. So every episode we're doing is essentially the one for the following week. Right. So I'm constantly a week ahead, and it feels like every time I have to write a new script, it, the, the month just vanishes. And then when you have this routine where you go through, like, every week, we have you have the Wednesday show, then we go through every single, like, I write the script, and then we do the breakdown, and the weeks just vanish. Yeah, just gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just gone. <That's> <laughs> but, of course, we're doing Leo. And then, of course, you know, we all have, like, our personal stuff going on. Johnny's got his channel. I've got mine. You know, Alex has got kids that are growing up eugene's just you know they're spielberging it up and just wild as a matter of fact you know as a matter of fact i recently went back down to dallas for the 48 hour film festival and we got to see one that i wrote that eugene directed up on the big screen which was really really cool and i have to admit in my opinion my opinion my humble opinion eugene what you and the casting crew did out there with that script you brought it to life 
no technical, like by comparison, no technical issues. You may have been unhappy with some of the lighting or some of the whatever, but that's just your perfectionism. By yeah. comparison, that other shit was like film school amateur whatever. <laughs> you actually heard the director, the director giving direction on one of the films. Yeah, like in the audio. Like the the director's off camera, like giving instructions to the girl to the little girl who was in the in the role. Okay, now now drop down to your knees and like 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 this and just like, did you not hear that? <laughs> did you not watch your film before turning it in? Did you did you record your sound in your film separately? That's kind of vital when you're doing something like that. Even in porn, they know to do that. <laughs> they don't bother. They don't bother. Like nobody's watching this shit for the sound. Well, maybe. They <laughs> well, you know it's really you know it's really bad when you suddenly realize that the sound you're hearing is not what's going on in like on the film it's kind of like that's not wait no those yeah. noises don't match up whatsoever it's because they had to drop all the audio and put audio in to make up for all the the stage <laughs> direction the directors giving them yeah. just but complete blank spots yeah, yeah. right little to the left little to the left and then yeah, oh, I mean, no no my left <laughs> and then just a lot of the tech there was, there was a lot of tech i mean i'm gonna say like eugene said eugene said at the very at the very end when we were all you know everyone's you know giving the congratulations getting something in the can is the key i mean that's the big thing that's the okay first. it's gonna be done in 10 days stop fucking pressuring me jl <laughs> <laughs> getting it in the can is the is the giant hurdle it's the hardest thing to do when if you get it in the can you should be proud but when you compare it up and you line things up for a for the festival and everything there's there's all kinds. So yeah, the you'd have you'd have like films up there where the audio would just like drop, no audio, and then all of a sudden when the audio kicks in, when the actor's like speaking, when the audio kicks in, it's just and like in the background, like the ambient noise, like the white noise in the back, just and then they say their line and then it's just dead silent. It's like I'm not sure. <laughs> and then you know, from a writer's perspective, from a writer's perspective. Three act structure is pretty basic. I mean, that's how we tell a story. And I'm like, where are the acts in this thing? Beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> yeah, there was basic so shit. So people drew different cat people drew different genres. This is what's for the 48 hour film competition. So you have to write, shoot, and edit a film in 48 hours. And so unfortunately, we drew romance, but we made it work. And the group that actually drew horror. I don't know what the fuck their film was about. I don't know what that was. I, 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 I it was really weird. It was just, it was like stream of consciousness, like trying to be surreal. I, I don't, I don't, I couldn't I, follow it. So, yeah, a, a five because if you have a limit between four to seven minutes, a seven minute film isn't the time to have an entire existential breakdown on the human <laughs> psyche and like in the creation of man that. you can't do that in seven minutes <laughs> <laughs> do you remember do you remember johnny when we were at texas frightmare weekend and we saw nail gun premiere like well, nail gun have its little tfw yeah. showing mm -hmm. that very first horror film that we watched was so fucking we, bad. It was in like the park and they were on the bench and everything. And the audio was all jacked. And it was oh, like all these weird things. Like he's saying stuff. She's so critical, not, right? I no idea <laughs> yeah, I hate being so critical. I, this, yes, I realize who's about to say this. Okay, so fuck off. I hate being so critical of uh, amateur or indie film stuff. But this was bad. It's like the, you know, the director, <laughs> it was not good. 
the director went and said, "Hey, here I have these I have these really cool ideas." And you can see that he had really he did. He has some really cool ideas. But none of it fucking made sense. It right. didn't go together. It's like, "Okay, here's an idea. Let me just fucking ramrod that shit in there." All right, cool. Here's another idea. Let's ramrod that motherfucker in there. Well, you already got two in the pink right now, dude. There's got no room. For- <laughs> <laughs> but then but then they try to ramrod something else and it goes right in the stink and then you know where you're gonna get with that so yeah exactly yeah. fucking hershey highway <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the uh what eugene and the rest of the cast and crew which you guys pulled off out there just knocking that out of the park i can't wait to see the director's cut of it that has all the stuff because it obviously had to be edited down to seven minutes the script i turned in was was a was a little over seven minutes because Sometimes in the script, I can get a little wordy with like the direction, with like what I want the actors to do, or what you know what I want to be conveyed. But I can't wait to see the uncut version of it. And the award ceremony is this Saturday, correct? Yes, it's this Saturday, six p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. Six p.m. and it'll be a virtual event, so everybody that's involved, everybody that was involved in it, can go and can watch it and see you know if we actually win anything, you know, for the project we started. But Y'all deserve it. You guys did an amazing job. I can't wait. We'll definitely update the audience as to the results of that. And, uh, you know, if Eugene can you know, take home another big win um, for the work that he does. But that's just it. You know, we're able to do this kind of stuff because of our amazing audience. And yes. before we jump into what I wanted to chat about before we jump into our movies, I want to see who's in the live chat. Who is joining us tonight? I see Travis Brown is in the house. Good to see you, Travis Brown. Hello to you, Keith Newton. Good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. Sir Kaz is in the house. We have a, a bunch of, ama- of our amazing patrons. And there's our patrons in the banner down below. You can see them scrolling across the bottom of the screen. All those amazing people that help right. us continue doing the show <laughs> every single week and losing time as the years fly by. Uh... Over th- we're, we're into the third year. How fast has this gone by, guys? Look, it's gone. Hey, there are moments it flies by. There's probably a month ago. We've already <laughs> talked about how fucking fast time is going, okay? I don't need a... I don't, don't, need, need, a, more, I don't need more goddamn... <laughs> 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 oh but yes thank sorry, you to sorry. our uh, to our amazing patrons who enable us to do this we appreciate that you are the horror enablers uh, sir chasm so good to see you or i said horror not i know horror. i know you said so. that it's not, it was not for you that was for everybody else it was oh and aaron reese so good to see you oh travis brown says drinking jack daniels eating some horror shit that sounds about right that's that's like a sounds thursday badass. for me Yes. Uh, Aaron Reese, so good to see you. Ryan and Nance, good to see you. Thank you all so much for joining. Charlie Welch is in the house, the only man you don't make a bet with on the internet. I do appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Charlie. Jin Zhu says, hello, everyone. Stupid YouTube non-notifications made me late. Oh, boo, YouTube. Yeah. They are they kill us sometimes. Jin Zhu, I sent you a message via Discord. Unfortunately, uh, your item that you won uh, got returned as undeliverable. So maybe I need an update on your address. Oh, Shoot yeah. me, update me on that because I want to make sure you get that. Um, uh, Teespring, let me know about that. It's like, hey, we couldn't deliver this. So I was a little worried about that. But let me know. Make sure I got your address updated. Um, who else we got in the house? I see John Rapp is in the house. Is a $5 super chat taking you off script. Scratch butt and wiggle ears same time. <laughs> I do that all the time just because. I, I wish you wiggling my ears because my headphones are on. But right, because the headphones. Like this. Yeah. And then, you know, I move a lot like this. What do you think I'm doing? 
I wish we could accept one day we will be able to accept super chats on this show. One day. We did it accidentally when I did the setup and I set it up on my on, on my personal channel and I was like, "Whoa, we're getting super chats." But yeah, the, the, that wasn't for me, so I had to redirect that over to the weekend horror side so that we could utilize that, so I could track that. But one day, once we get because once we get that, we got the community post going because they lowered it to five hundred. But once we hit that thousand subscribers, we have like so many videos out, so many live streams that we've I think we've surpassed the four thousand hours. Once we hit a thousand subs, in the calendar year though. That's the thing. It's got to be. Well, this is true. Here. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so hopefully, yeah, you know, hopefully we'll get that. One. But the whole big point is we do have a Patreon and we do uh, have PayPal. Those links are in the description. And of course, um, all manner of other ways that you can help support the channel. So yeah, it's definitely, we got, we all that, but you just being here is everything. We appreciate it. John Rapp. Yes. Thank that's you. For you. That's for you. Because <laughs> John Rapp understands that. That's an inside joke. Uh, Eugene may not be aware of that. It's a long story. Middle finger, Eugene. But that's the John Rapp welcome. That's the John Rapp welcome. He's like, they're going to tell me twice, motherfucker. It's like, sure. <laughs> All right. Nerd journals in the house is Jam Truth Style. No, yes. no, yes, no was. Jam Truth Style. It was Jam Truth Style, though. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Reese says, Can you watch Nailgun Online yet? Um, Eugene, do we have a point when that oh. will be available or do, can we we can still show it via discord but yes. what about so so just because the it's going out to film festivals and everything it can't be publicly like posted on youtube but we do have screenings of it on discord so we may have to show Nailgun again very we very will. soon we definitely will but eventually we could put that up on the weekend horror channel and people will be able to watch it forever as soon as it gets through the the, the festival circuit Fantastic news. All right. Chris Durham, music channel's in the house. Good to see you, Chris. Chris Durham's is cooking the rice. Dinner's going to be late. Um, and uh, do I see anybody else? I see. Who do I see? I think that's it. I think we got everybody so far. Uh, Nerd Journal uh, says, Travis Brown, awesome dude. Keep at it. Don't let them work you too hard and make sure you pay attention to every other class. I think Travis Brown said he, uh, oh, next week, Thanksgiving, next week, Thanksgiving, poultry guys. Hell fucking yeah. Hell I mean, yes. First poultry time. poultry oh. guys and thanks killing. Yep. Yes. Yep. Fucking poultry guys. Just nothing like a turkey running around, you know, killing uh topless co-eds. <laughs> that shit is fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> the opening the opening scene in Thanks Killing, where he's just chasing the girl through the woods. It's, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Oh, All I love those guys. Opening scenes are brilliant. He's got the one where the the dude, the fucking pervert's watching the two about to have sex and then they run off and you know, then the thing. it's so brilliant so brilliant all right well thank you all so much for being here thank you to all of our patreons for joy uh patrons for joining us so we do appreciate it um before we dive into our films i wanted to check with you guys because this is the week so a lot of people may have heard that there's some okay so black friday's coming up Mm -hmm. day after thanksgiving Mm -hmm. busy shopping day of the year but you know what I've noticed, and of course, we're all we, we may try to get things, whether you do it online or go there in person. I wanted to ask y'all, even though there's the kind of air that people don't want Black Friday to happen because they don't like the ritual, they don't like what they're forced to do, you know, crammed all in one place in one day, and it just turns into you know, all these stories, you know, it turns into a meat grinder, it's craziness. So maybe you're not going to go out for Black Friday, maybe you'll get something earlier, get something later, but. Is there anything horror related, or maybe for the production related that you're that you may want to try and get on Black Friday? Anything on your wish list 
I want to check with you guys. Yeah, there's lots of stuff on my wish list. Eugene knows what my wish list is. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think you can get sex appeal at Best Buy. Want to bet? Say that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, 85 inch television sure turns me on. Uh, no production gear uh, there's always something right it's always gonna be some grips or some lights or some this or some that you know it's all kinds of shit that i'm keeping an eye out on some stuff i doubt the things that i'm looking at i'm gonna be able to pick up i need to get a few things for an upcoming production on the plot hole um we have more live music live christmas music eugene's gonna be there so i'll be there yeah some stuff very cool and thank you eugene and honestly, it's the same. I mean, it's, I don't know if people notice in the background, like it just little bits of stuff gets added. So I got like two C stands that are just, they just hang out there and yep. there's like cases and stuff over here and it goes further and further back around. <laughs> <laughs> I've always noticed it. I mean, it's ob- obviously you're shooting from your hut in Sparta. So, cause there's just not a lot of stuff around, but I'm assuming you, you, you know, adding things to adding things to that to kind of fill it out. <clears throat> Well, so what I'm looking at is um, probably early next year. I'll actually, I'll probably move for the last time, at least last time for a while. So I'll actually be able to decorate stuff. Nice. Instead of just like a, look, there's like a hamper, a guitar, and some sea stands. (laughs) (laughs) And then some Halloween candy. And then one day you can have You could set up your sea stand and put like the clips on it for a poster or something. Yeah. And then one day you can have something like this. Yeah. Yes, with addresses. I'm gonna punch you in the face. <laughs> when Jason gets here, they are moving. They're finally moving. So everything so I have two closets here. I have one that you can't see and one that you can. I'm moving some stuff out of this moving and the boxes funny, out of this one. It's funny that the one that we can see just happens to be the one with the dresses in it. It's because the other one has all the damn moving boxes in it. So I'm going to break those down, get rid of them, take these over here, put them over here, and then Jason will get that space right there. And it's awesome because I got, I finally got the tracking numbers on it. They finally, you know, uh, Movie Land FX. Is, every day he's at his fucking, because he lives out in the middle of fucking nowhere. He sits on his porch, right? He's got his phone looking at his tracking numbers like this. Where is he? But I got the tracking numbers from UPS Ground. Jason is on his way. When he arrives, I will set him up. I'll probably do like a little short video so I can throw it up on the Weekend Order channel so y'all can see Jason when I unveil him. And I got the cool light set up, which is going to be really, really neat. Makes him look like he's underwater. It's going to be absolutely sick. So I can't wait for that. That's that's like my big Christmas, you know, present to myself. It's kind of like I wanted this. I've wanted something like this for forever. I was finally able to afford it. Bam, we're going to throw it up there and it's going to look Awesome. Jail's gonna be up at three o'clock in the morning, the delivery day, looking like checking, right? <laughs> just at the awesome. window. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, we gotta see. Uh yeah, so people um always try to make sure Eugene does not fall into the hole from 300. Yeah, exactly. Spartan, the, Spartan the joke never ending hole. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Is that because Eugene is black? Oh, Mr. Malort, I'm the one that does the kicking. Mr. Malort, 
<laughs> Good to see you, Mr. Blord. He says, sorry, some Mick was having a stream over the earth. That's true. Wow. Fred to the channel. Not being racist. And we go on and just <laughs> Fred to the channel, Irish Demon is streaming at the same time. So we understand. But he's a really popular guy. And uh, we don't begrudge him that. Although he never usually goes live on Wednesdays. But nonetheless, I'm just saying. Uh, Aaron Ray says, weekend horror. Poultry guys, thanks killing a bone tomahawk in honor of our indigenous brethren. I don't know if they would. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know I would have to talk to. I would have to talk to the Apache Nation uh, on my on my my left side of my family to see if they're cool with that. Be like, hey, can we? Do that? <laughs> That's like that King of the Hill joke. Hey, Chief, y'all used to celebrate Thanksgiving, right? We did once. <laughs> I love that King of the Hill joke. Y'all celebrated Thanksgiving, right? We did once <laughs> oh let me see oh beaver season house is poop i'm late no it's all good we're just you know we're just chewing it up before we jump into the movies nerd journal says i don't know about horror related but walmart has a 40 inch 1080p tv for 130 bucks if you are a walmart plus member i think and Newegg has a nice 27 inch 1440p monitor i was interested in for like 40 bucks off nice nice Yes, brought to you in this episode, brought to you by Walmart Plus and Newegg. That Newegg money. That Newegg money. Beaver C says, Thanks, Johnny. I know I'm picturing Jail's house looking like the house from Deliverance. You're welcome. Sir Cat says, $130 for a 40 inch TV at just about the same price for a 16 ounce T bone. Yeah. Although I was able to find some steak that was on sale. Um, it was a little green, but we just cut those parts out. <laughs> it's yeah, good enough. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, me, myself, there are some things I know that I think it was Travis Brown said Look, that he will be. Thing, JL, I know you're trying to avoid having to talk about this first movie. I'm going to talk about it. I promise. We got to do it. Because you <laughs> for some I saw Travis Brown saying that he's going to be buying uh, Scream Factory Blu-rays, taking the opportunity to, to, you know, to, you know, flesh out his collection. Because Screen Factory, Factory does a lot of fantastic Blu-ray releases because they make an effort to go and find all of the like you know deleted scenes and as much behind-the-scenes stuff to pack into a Blu-ray, and they do some fantastic releases for their stuff. And so I really, you know, I really love the work they do over at Screen Factory. So definitely, yeah, I'd say that's a great opportunity. I myself am looking. Um, there's a bunch of old collections that I really want to get my hands on. I want to find like the the. The box set of Warehouse 13, the box set of Forever Night, a number of the old horror TV shows that I grew up with that I'd like to find the box sets for because now I have the opportunity to get them. That's one thing. So most likely be DVDs or Blu-rays is what I'm going after myself. And I think I'm going to try and find a new monitor because I'd like to upgrade my monitor setup. I need two monitors. I'm at that point where I must have two and I currently don't. I have one. So I have all these tabs open like high IQ research. Mm-hmm. No, that's pretty much it. But uh, have all the tabs open, it'll just be on two different monitors. I've got yes. two monitors. Here. <laughs> well, I'd love to be able to two monitors back. Them back them the same shit. It's just you have you know, you know. I want a monitor for each tab, and it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have like that, like like oh no, I need I need the I need the swordfish setup. Like nine screens gonna be oh, like yeah. yeah, and then I'm gonna drink wine, <laughs> drink wine and play music while I slap at the keyboard. Like I'm doing something important. Fuck. I was, you know, okay. So there are two things that irritate the shit out of me in in film. And one of them is when you can, when you just know that the person who ever, like, you get a uh, music movie, like in La Bamba, right? 
when uh what's his name fucking richie richard valenzuela's who played um uh, lou diamond phillips, yeah. Diamond phillips when, yeah when he's playing the when he's playing la bomba on stage for the first time and you could tell like nothing he's doing matches anything that even <laughs> like it's not even you know like the song is playing the same things over and over again but his hands just like i'm jerking up an elephant <laughs> <laughs> you've got and then people you know fucking you could tell like any any arnold schwarzenegger movie where he has to work at a computer and his fucking giant banana hands you hear all this but you got two fingers doing those shit like get the fuck out of here i want typing <laughs> sarcasm does, does two monitors split the high iq it might split though so not everybody gets you know it's not equal it's not an equal distribution of high iq <laughs> oh so yeah looking forward to some good stuff gonna try to find some good deals i'm definitely not going out during black friday i'm gonna pretty much do it all online um, let me tell you something fuck all this bullshit none of you have to go out i do no. i have to work my ass has to drive oh, normally you, well, you still work in retail so oh, it fucking sucks everybody go subscribe to the blog will give me a hundred thousand subscribers i don't have to work fucking retail anymore. <laughs> yes do it <laughs> don't, don't do it don't do it just because you want to support the channel do it because you're saving a man from working in retail See? because it is soul sucking <laughs> it yeah. literally it's it's like every day it inches your soul further out of your ass I, it's gotten better, right? I used to work at Toys R Us. Oh, fuck my life. You want to talk about... I remember one fucking Black Friday. I swear to God, Black Friday, Toys R Us parking lot. There's a giant fucking sinkhole in our parking lot, right? But we're cones, flags, all kinds of shit that says, do not, do not, whatever, stay out, blah, blah, whatever. Got cats fucking, out there with cats out there. You might as well have fucking... Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> This fucking asshole comes in our store. Is like, hey, I need you to call a tow truck. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking maybe his like battery went out. I'm like, cool, whatever. What's going on? I drove into the I drove into the pothole that I didn't see, and I go out there, and he's fucking driving one of those Volkswagen Beetles, the newer ones, and that shit is damn near disappeared in this fucking sinkhole. <laughs> 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 and he's all, you know, this is your fault. I said, how the fuck this is our fault? Do you see all these goddamn flags and cones and signs and shit that says, do not drive over here? Fucking jackass. That's hilarious. I want you, to know, I want you to know I'm picturing like a 10-foot sinkhole. Like he drives and it just, just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> see beaver season i couldn't imagine working retail on black friday i could tell you a horror story about that i worked uh because i worked in retail for a long long time yep. i worked 10 years for gamestop slash eb games um i was with them for forever through the transition when gamestop swallowed up eb and i worked for but the worst and those were always rough but they have normal hours because you have the little strip little strip uh deals but oh, yeah. the worst black friday was where i worked for comp usa Ooh. I was at work 27 hours straight. Yeah. Nope. And that was a next level nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I never, and I, and I vowed after that, I was like, after that, I was done. I was like, I can't do this anymore. That was, a, that was a, that still haunts me. That, I mean, that, that was in 2000, that was like 2008. And I still wake up with the sweat sometimes, you know, around, <laughs> around, around No. no. <laughs> sometimes, no, you sometimes, have keyboard. Oh. So, sometimes <laughs> Thanksgiving Eve, you know, my wife will look over across the table and catch me with a thousand yard stare. 
<laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> they touch me on the shoulder. I'm like, oh. <laughs> There's Do you have your receipts? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, tickets only. I've <laughs> got so many fucking horror stories from Toys R Us times. Yeah. The one of my most favorite ones. This is the last one before I get into the movies. I know people are waiting, but most favorite time we I was running stuff from the back end, right? So all like the big ticket items, the power wheels and the swing sets and shit. And we had some weird deal on swing sets or stupid stupid cheap for a wooden swing set and this motherfucker buys it. and i you know there have been so many times where people would buy a swing set but not have a fucking truck to carry it they would have their car or their sedan or whatever thing oh i can do it like what it's a fucking swing set what's the matter to you it's eight foot fucking box it doesn't fold in half you dumb shit but, <laughs> so I, I would call up and always ask hey make sure you tell them yeah we need a truck ask them do you have a truck and everyone always oh yeah we got a truck this one fool says yeah we got a truck so right, cool so i bring out this fucking dig out this eight foot four box swing set four boxes one of them is a fucking slide box okay and that doing that was just a big plastic slide but this fucking thing is heavy so I bring it out there and wheel it out all right cool where's the truck oh he, he points to this he points to a nissan altima <laughs> I said, sir um you, you're gonna need a truck Oh, in, no, what re, in, in what reality is this a yeah. truck? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he looks at me and says, oh, we could fit it in the trunk. I said, where the what, fuck what? are you? I said, sir, where the fuck are you going to sit? <laughs> I said, this is not going to fit in your trunk. I said, we tried with a smaller one to see if we could get it kind of halfway in. Uh, but Nissan Altima's trunks, they're not that. He goes, he, I swear to God, after told me we tried another Nissan Altima, he looked at me and said, I swear to God, he asked me this. Was it the LE? <laughs> and I looked at him and said, oh, the Nissan Altima LE. That's that motherfucker that has a Mary Poppins trunk, right? So I just dumped his shit and said, good luck getting that in there and fucking walked off. <laughs> uh, that's wild. Just the LE. Just motherfuckers. <sighs> Well, spatial as right awareness. awareness, spatial <laughs> awareness. Well, just before we jump into the movies, we had a few more people. Some of our amazing patrons have jumped in. I see NANA is in the house. Good to see you, NANA. And Commander Darklight as well. Good to see you. And you can see all of their names down there at the bottom. And so it was awesome to see them here. Uh, Beaver says, I worked retail 35 years ago for a week and said, F this. <laughs> <laughs> Is he even 35 years later? He still remembers it. it, it still it's it's in nice there. It's, it's in there, I swear. Oh, man. And I see Rodent No Last Name is in the house. It's Black Friday, J.L. Warren's new horror script. That's a good idea. There is a thriller movie out there called Black Friday, or is it Black Sunday? I can't remember. But I mean, I'm no doubt that somebody has written a spec script about a horror movie that's based true. on Black Friday. Well, no Krampus starts out with the Black Friday thing. I mean, that's kind of what uh, Krampus is, you know, taking a swing at, so... All right, and I see, um, I think that was it. Oh, yeah, Aaron Reese says, the worst I did was work the line at Target at Assets Protection. Thankfully, we had a protective, we had a proactive kick them out policy. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Travis Brown says, there is a Black Friday movie with Bruce Campbell. There you go. I can think of no other person better to oh, play that. That would be perfect. Absolutely perfect. Oh, absolutely. Okay, we yes. Get boomstick. Shop 129.95. Find this in the sporting goods section. (laughs) (laughs) When he whips out the sword. (laughs) The sword goes like, holy shit. (laughs) I fucking 
All right, I know we're putting it off, but let's just fucking get this one. Let's out. dive in. Let's get it. Let's rip the bandaid off. I got to dive into this uh, one. Yeah, you know, we'll we see. don't have to talk about these movies. If we we do have to talk about this movie. We promised them a show. This is what it is. This is what it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be. So this first one is a movie. That's all I have to say about it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, oh, I, I'm not. I'm what Johnny. I'm not going to get going to get the cue. You don't even want it to happen. <laughs> hey, Dale, what do we have up first? We have a movie. No, it's not. No, well, it's it's something they put on film. Ah, this movie, the first movie we're talking about. I know we've let it, you know, we're pretty much gilding the lily at this point. Released November 22nd, 1971. We have the movie The Feast of Satan. Yes, The Feast of Satan. So, um, right. Uh, directed by Jose Maria Elorieta and starring Espartaco Santanini, Kristen Nell, uh, Teresa Gimpera, and Veronica Lujan. Um, so, despite the title, the, what this movie does, let me, see if I can sum, let me see if I can summarize this movie in a way. I can summarize this movie. No, no, no. no hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I, got that. I got this. No, so, no, no. Here it is. Ready? Oh, done. <laughs> so, thank so, a woman searching for her missing sister arrives in a small coastal village where her sister was last seen. Unknown to her, her arrival's been noted by a crazy scientist who has designs on her. That that could probably be better. No, it really can't, because this movie's fucking terrible. It's awful. Okay. Bad. Despite the title of Feast of Satan, despite the fact that everywhere I look... Well, actually, this is what's interesting. Ooh, everywhere yeah. I look, the movie is listed as a horror film. Okay? Yeah. So... Go this ahead. is this is not a horror film. Well, it technically kind of is. It's a horrible film. It's a, okay, yeah. You could put that in parentheses <laughs> on the end of that. You really, really could. But it was also very, very hard to find information on this. Yeah, movie, it really was. Really which yeah. was really, really strange. Even when you go to the director and you look and you whatever I look for the director. The director's everywhere was a selected filmography, and this film was not included in his selected filmographies. And there's no mystery as to why, because the movie is just not great. There's nothing even innovative about this thing. But I want to discuss this. I, I everything I've done, even the bad shit I've done, okay, was I'm proud of because I got it. No, I'm proud of it because I got it in the can. I got it done. I, I respect that. This movie is it, the problem is the movie itself is not like technically bad. Okay, the acting is decent. The writing's okay. It's just the movie's fucking boring. It. We talked about it a little bit in the green room. It was like they had some good ideas that they just kind of you know like put together. You know what I mean? But none of them. It doesn't really work. You know, it doesn't. It, it, when you think of horror movie and you're like, I'm going to go watch a horror movie that's called Satan's Feast or whatever. Yeah, The Feast you're of like, Satan. That feast sounds feast. interesting. Fucking hell, there's going to be some, some sort of demonic this or blood and guts that. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then I, read, then I read the synopsis. A girl goes looking for her missing sister who disappeared, you know, after visiting a small coastal island. She goes trying to hunt down what happened to her sister and falls prey to a satanic cult. Holy shit, that sounds good. Great, but what you get, what you get when you watch this is some fucking 1990s Linda Fiorentino bullshit. (laughs) It's so (laughs) god awful. 
<laughs> there wasn't. I mean, I mean, there wasn't even. I mean, and this this will save it. One of the things that made because we talked about a previous 1970s uh, Italian film, which you know earlier uh, the last uh, what was it week, last week week before last um, Beyond the Darkness. Yeah. What made some one of the things that made Beyond the Darkness really good, really fantastic nudity in it. I mean, you look at you know like really graphic films like this. One of the things you know TNA to, you know TNA makes it makes some of these films enjoyable. It's just part of the it's just part of the genre. Right. There wasn't even a, I mean, there was a little bit. Was there? I must have. I, I must saw. Have I saw. So, I saw a, a side. I saw some side boob, and I saw one nipple. Was it a nipple you saw? Or was it some candy corn? I'm pretty sure it was. It was one, but it was weird because the because the <laughs> continuity was off. Because in the overhead scene, I see a nipple, but when it cut to the side scene, she was covered back up again. So I'm so, kind of like. Yeah, most likely it was just an accident yeah. that they didn't even like notice, right? And so you know the the and that's what that was wild. Is that I'm really really proud of getting something in the can, whether or not it's good or not. Because every time you get something in the can, it's a learning experience, and I don't like to forget. It. I don't like to shelve stuff that I've worked on. But this thing obviously was shelved. People don't like talking about it, or they just don't like to remember it. You know, even the director doesn't want it on his. I mean, didn't want it on his selected filmographies, or his estate doesn't want it there. But the movie exists, and I guess you know the, the mystery behind, like, you know, why there's so much mystery about the movie. I could never find anybody who's done any reviews on this thing. I couldn't find anyone. I, I couldn't find anything on this film beyond information about the people involved mm. and the synopsis of the movie. Yeah, it's. I don't. I well, the people are so embarrassed by it. You know, most people don't even want to admit that they've seen it. We we don't get that card anymore. <laughs> Not even the reviewers want to admit they want they they sat through this thing. I can tell you, man, I w- I was bored to tears. I had to catch myself twice when I was looking at my phone, trying to find yeah. something. I'm listening to what's going on because you got a decent opening. The the opening is decent. The girl walks in. You know the, the sister comes in. She's all trauma. She's traumatized. It's point their hair is promise. It really yeah. does. Yeah. The, the sister gets wheeled in. Or she's so traumatized that her hair has turned white and that she gets admitted to a psychiatric facility. Her other, her sister's kind of like, what the hell's going on? What happened to her? Where did you know, like this? We don't know. She won't calm down and talk to us. We're going to try and sedate her and maybe we'll be able to talk to her in the morning. But in the night, some bad guys come in and they kidnap her and steal her away. And then the sister's like, what the hell's going on? Where did she go? Well, we know she went to this island. Well, I'm going there too. So she goes to investigate because the police seem clueless. This is a good setup. She goes to the island and then it turns into lifestyles of the rich and famous let's hang out at the discotheca and hang out on the boat and lots of zoom in like we talked about beyond the darkness lots of zoom in emotive yeah. moments where it's kind of like dun, dun. And <laughs> then you got some moments that supposedly lead to violence but there is no violence because it always cuts it short yeah what happened i think yeah it's just i don't yeah i don't get it she was like okay we're getting to the good stuff like it's just like it's like when you're gonna have sex for the first time, and then you wake up. Like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it was just a bummer. They, they, they had a lot of. I mean, if you look at it, the, the production value is decent. I mean, they're shooting off coastal Italy. Yeah. You have architecture. You've got the coast. You got a. But you've got you've got access to money because you're filming on fucking boats and shit out at sea. You're doing all kinds of fun stuff. But don't they don't do anything with it? It seems like they spent if they the budget they had the bulk of it went to these types of things that are don't get me wrong, set design is important, yes, right? Production design is really important, but 
this is another example of what happens when you put too much emphasis or too much too much into the wrong things. Yes, you want yes. to make sure you have set dresses. Yes, you want to make sure that the the production design is good. But when that's the entire like the the entire focus of what you've got, and you don't focus on storytelling, you don't focus on the thing, the character building, story arcs, and making sure you actually deliver a horror movie when you're making a horror movie, your movie's gonna suck. It's gonna be boring. It's don't cut off the good stuff. We want to see the good stuff. Does it seem like this is a movie without an identity or suffering from an identity crisis? Right. Like yeah. I, 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 it has no idea what it wants to be. Yeah, it wants to be a lot of things, and it fails at all of them. Right. Because we got like some. Go ahead. It, because as we talked about earlier with the different ideas, it doesn't just commit to one. Right. Like, like let's dive deeper and deeper, and let's push one idea and see how far it can go it just kind of bounces around so it only kind of hits surface level and it just kind of wishy-washy doesn't you got a little bit of psychological thrill you got a little bit of psychological thriller you got a little bit of drama you got a little bit of intrigue you got some romance you got some you know a, a little little dabs over here but everything that makes those things good that, that makes those things good they never hit on it they never give much backstory to like the psychological, you know, condition of the the leader of the cult, the big rich guy who runs everything, you know, and the relationship between his abusive mother and everything. They never they never go further than that. We just see like flashbacks, like when he's like, "Oh, I'm imagining my mom. Now I need to kill women. I need to sacrifice women to Satan." Why do you have to sacrifice him to Satan? Yeah. No explanation is given. It's just a fucking cult that's yeah. killing women, that's sacrificing women to Satan, and all the women they're sacrificing remind the leader of the cult of his mom. So I'm like. Well, there's some there there you could mine that's that. a weird edible complex type thing. Yeah, you can mine that for something. Really, yeah, there is that's a good idea, but they just did it like a running pass at it. like, oh no, that's the reason. What's the reason? Especially oh, if he was like you didn't say anything. Yeah, especially if like the cult leader was like hiding that information because he's more personally driven than driven towards you know Satan, but the rest of the right. cult is like, we're supposed to be doing this for Satan, but you're just doing it for yourself. This great, this is good. That this would be it's good stuff. Conflict, right? Conflict, like the main overall arcing conflict, and then it has many conflict in between the people who you know, like the bad guys. There's that conflict, which is good stuff. That's what people like. That's what you latch onto when you watch a film and you see conflict that makes sense. You that's fucking draws you in. But right, no, you you like, have to. Conflict is one of the essential parts of a story. You need a protagonist. They need a goal, and they need an antagonistic force. That creates conflict. Yes. You have to have conflict. When there's no conflict, then it's just somebody goes to the grocery store. Yeah. That's your movie. They just get food, check out, and then go home. Yeah. And see, you know, the funny thing, that was like a, that was whenever I took a, like a survey course into filmmaking, that was one of the, that was one of the story ideas they talked about. It's like, hey, can you make this into a good story? Somebody goes to the grocery store. People are like, no, you can't because it's boring. And they say, well, oh. what if the what if the item they need they desperately needed for the reason why they're going to the grocery store is because they needed cranberries for the cranberry sauce for Thanksgiving and the grocery store is all sold out. Oh, now we have conflict. And people start thinking, oh, okay, yeah, I can understand that. So well, what if this that and the other? Then there is a way for them to get the cranberries, but they find the cra- they find some extra cranberries, like that part of the conflict is resolved. Then you get to the checkout and your fucking credit card gets denied, and you don't have any cash. More conflict. There's ways to make this stuff interesting. Or the place gets robbed. Or the place gets robbed. Yeah. 
and they it's, because it's busy on that because it's busy people are last minute so they want to take it so crackheads want to take advantage of it or something of that nature right anything you could throw at it right but right. the part of the, the point of the exercise was to look for the story into the story. And it just these guys just like, oh, there's a satanic cult. Okay, cool. Um, and they, they just want that to be enough. You see, this is interesting. Aaron Reese, Aaron Reese from the live chat brings up something really interesting here. And I didn't actually think of this one. He says, are we sure this isn't a chop film? That's what I, that's what I was know, thinking. Maybe they slapped it together from partials of multiple incomplete movies. And then you throw on a title like The Feast of Satan. And that kind of that that you yeah. know that would that would sell it. So maybe they would try to like glean something from like work that was spent. Like this is what we have all this shit that didn't work. Let's see if we can like put it together to just quickly do a quick cash in to make up for the investments that we did in shooting right. the stuff that didn't get seen. Yeah. Which is pretty smart. I mean, in the 70s, yeah, that, that would make sense. Um, and I mean, I don't even I don't know if that's still a tactic today, given what goes into setting up a film like they would utilize that because nowadays when they shoot they try to use everything they can i don't know look at like look at jason x that was kind of a that was kind of a chop film uh i mean not in the sense that we're talking about here but there was a lot of things that were changed different they kind of like mashed a bunch of shit together to make it you know to make it right right um, so maybe not in that sense where they're just taking fucking random projects from all over and shoving them together to make a film out of it. But I do think that, that those those types of things still happen. They just kind of, you know, shoestring some shit together, put it out, and make some money off of it. <laughs> Sarcasm and the crackhead steal the cranberry sauce. Now we have a revenge story on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be another movie. We're, we're going to set up another film on this podcast. <laughs> someone's going to end up shooting this damn thing. Yeah, it'll be a good short. That would be a good short. I think it would be right. really funny. It's it's got to go. It's literally got to go. I need cranberries and go from a trip to the grocery store at Thanksgiving to John Wick. <laughs> this, is, this is what I want, though. I, don't, I want. Wait, wait. So if we went it's like straight John Wick style, I want it to be almost like hot fuzz. So you have like all the elderly people that get it, and he, snaps, and he just starts John Wick killing all these elderly people that get the cranberries. We could shoot that in a weekend. Would oh, Simon, yeah. would you, you just you just love that scene with Simon Pegg just straight just drop kick, just air drop kicks that fucking old man. <laughs> <laughs> just wow! <laughs> so brilliant. Oh, morning. Oh, but yeah, this this film. I was I was curious about you know that, that's interesting. Why the mystery behind this? Why so much so little about it out there? And I can understand that people were not proud of this movie. I get that. I can get. I like what Aaron Reese brought up. Maybe it is a, actually a. A chop film, something they just spliced together really fast to try and like recoup an investment or recoup the investment on the film that was shot that never got seen, and they just slap the Feast of Satan on it, and that will attract audiences to at least get a little bit of box office. Maybe it was that. I don't know, but all I know is that this film left way too much to the imagination. Virtually all of the violence, I think, the, the, only real, thing was left to the only real violence that that was in there was you throwing the popcorn at the fucking screen because the movie was so shit. Well, at the end, I mean, at the end, you have a satanic oh, yeah. cult that's sacrificing people, but the only violence that occurs in the movie is when the the second in command turns on the leader because second in command like loves, likes, respects the current sacrifice, and I don't know, like like yeah. she turns on him, stabs him in the back, he dies, then she pulls the knife out and stabs herself, and 
then the very last guy like hangs himself, and then all the remaining members of the cult they all disappear, and we never they see drop the Kool Aid and walk off like fuck this shit. And there's like no resolution because at the end of it, she at the end of it like she's all trauma. Like now the sister's all traumatized, and her hair is all white, and she's just like sitting there like uh. And then there's credits, so That's everything it. is up here. If I wanted to think, if I wanted the movie to be in my fucking head, I. <laughs> I'd read a fucking book. Okay. I'd read a book. If I wanted yeah, the movie yeah. in my head, I'd read a fucking book. <laughs> so, but yeah, this is, I mean, maybe, but if this wasn't, I mean, if this is interesting to that because the only reason it's interesting, this film was interesting at all, was because it made me think about what was going on around the film. Because, mm, yeah. you know, just like today, there are movies out there, you, you, we watch them and we're like, how. Given what we know in our experience, Eugene's experience, my experience, you, uh, Johnny's experience in the industry, there are some movies out there we watch. Like, how the hell did this get signed off on? It's like, why did anyone think this was going to make money? Well, I think this is another one of those things where we talk about often, where it's a problem with you know, producers or production houses getting too involved, and that's what kind of fucks up a film. You know, like when you look at look at what they, what we generally consider the, the worst movie of all time, <laughs> that X versus Sever. When you're talking, about that, right? <clears throat> it's so it's so bad. It, the movie is terrible. It's so bad, but not as bad as Silent Hill Revelation. There you go. But you've got you know you've got top notch talent, Lucy Liu and uh, uh, Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas, yeah. Top notch talent. They got the cinematography was really good. Set designs were good. The di- direction seemed to be good, but the movie just didn't work. So there was too many things wrong with it. And it seems like there's too much influence in there of outside influences talking about, well, we need to make sure that we feature Lucy Liu doing Lucy Liu stuff and, and Antonio Banderas doing Antonio Banderas stuff because that's what's going to make money. And people are like, well, but it's not Desperado. Right. Yeah, that is when you start dealing with producers and a lot, a lot of times the filmmakers, the ones who the, the directors, the DPs and all that kind of stuff usually are the ones that come from humble beginnings or you have producers that for some reason or another have access to lots of money. Yeah. And but they don't necessarily have the film background of it. So you can have the crew and like, OK, this is what we think is good. And then the producer can go, I got a really great idea. Let's do this. And you have to take it at the bare minimum in consideration because they have the money. Sometimes See, even like what we should do is the second assistant director who's leading the second team on their off days, they should be filming all the producers great ideas. That way they can send them those dailies, but then you go and make your film the way you want to make it. <laughs> and then when it's all can, you send it out to the, the producers like, check it out. I mean, we use all your ideas. They're all in the movie somewhere. And he's like, but I don't see them. Oh yeah. We had to cut them. We had to cut them for time. We had to cut them. We had to cut them for the yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Sarcasm, thank you. Yes, the movie Lamageddon. That is a double feature I need to do. I need to show on Discord. I need to show Lamageddon. Double feature, Lamageddon and Velocipaster. <laughs> oh, yes. That would make the perfect, yes. the perfect A film, B film. It, like, like the perfect double features of those two movies would be fantastic. I saw the trailer for Lamageddon. I still haven't watched it, but I saw the trailer for Lamageddon. I was like, this is amazingly <laughs> bad. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, our guys are right. So bad it was comedy gold. <laughs> and see, this is when you talk about like bad movies like Velocipaster and stuff like that, is it's yeah, it's a bad movie, but it's so entertaining. But they're made to be bad. And they they are. Nobody makes a movie called Velocipaster 
Seriously. No about one about a about a, a pastor that turns into a dinosaur and takes on yeah. ninjas? Yeah. This is no like Kung, it's like Kung Fury. It's like Kung Fury. Right. It, it is. Nobody this is gonna be my Oscar. No, they're like, fuck <laughs> it, let's go ahead and make a stupid movie. And they succeed. And they're yeah. so they, we love them for it. We love yeah. them for these stupid movies. You know, sit down and you think to myself, I'm not gonna watch this stupid fucking movie about a llama or about a pastor <laughs> who turns into a dinosaur. I'm not watch. And then fucking two hours later, like, I just watched a movie about a llama. <laughs> that was that was like during the trailer. Watch this. Oh, I was watching the trailer. I was like, oh, okay, so it's a space llama. Oh, and its eyes are red. Oh, and the eyes smoke. smoke. Oh, and they shoot lasers. Yeah. This is fun. Oh, not just like do 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 like Superman yeah. style. And this yeah. is fantastic shit. This is, this is fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> right, but you you know like you know those people are making those movies. They're just having fun with it. Oh yeah, it has to be fun. Yeah. Them. Yeah. So one of the big keys I think coming down this is even if you're even if the movie is shit. I mean, if, if you have like, I think pretty much we all know if we're if, we're, if the movie's going to be shit, the people who make it know it's going to be shit. Well, I think one of the keys there is don't take it seriously. Don't no. it, 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 because when you start taking it seriously, it becomes maudlin, and then that just makes the whole thing even more obvious that the thing is crap. If you at least you know take it tongue in cheek or maybe just a little satirical, and you just like. Make fun of it in that respect, or just like have fun with it, because obviously, for, just from watching Feast of Satan, the movie didn't look fun to make. It didn't look like the actors were having fun. They were being professional. They were doing their job and delivering their lines, delivering it believably. But it just seemed like this is just one. This is it's legit. This is just one more paycheck, and we're done. Move right. on to the next. So it may not have been a, even a paycheck at that quality. Right. That's true. Absolutely. I can't believe that, so, that he called. I thought he was going to ask me to help him move a couch. Here I am in some fucking stupid movie. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so moving on from there. I mean, we've dogged on Feast of Satan enough, and I don't think anybody have really we? Is. Have we though? Probably not. But um, I, I don't want to. I, I want to ask the audience because one thing that one thing Feast of Satan did, and they did it till I think they either they did it deliberately or they had no choice was leaving everything was leaving so much of it ambiguous yep. you had to essentially make up the scenes in your head and run with it that way like you know like what happened here what happened because because after the sister gets kidnapped we have no resolution we never find her again she's just gone so there is a lot of ambiguity in the film so my question is for the audience do you enjoy a level of ambiguity in your horror films do you like a lot of ambiguity? No ambiguity? Is there a kind of a fine line where it becomes too much or too little? Let me know if you if you dig that or if you don't dig that. If you like things that have resolution, if you like things like kind of open, or if ambiguity kind of adds to the flavor. I'm really, really curious what the audience thinks of that. You know, let me know and uh, let us know in the comments below or at weekendhorrorgmail.com. Let's get off of this piece of shit so we can get to a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Eugene. What yeah, do we got next? Yeah. Good, good movie is. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I threw that. <laughs> so next we have Contracted, which was released November 22nd, 2013. It was directed by Eric England, and it stars Nahara Townshed, Townshed, Carolina Williams, and Allison McDonald. And basically what happens is that you have a girl... And a guy ends up taking advantage of her, sexually assaults her, and she contracted something that begins to turn her into a zombie. 
in all sorts of nice, gory special effects. Oh, yeah. And, and, and shit gets real. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, the Shit Gets Real t-shirt is available on our Teespring. Link See? down in the description. Yeah, that's right here. Uh-huh. That's what you need. A link. You need the link to pop up. That's true. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look production, production talk. Everybody just go, la, la, la. Put your earphones on, everybody. We've got to do that shit. We gotta get we to like yeah, when it's yeah. Eugene's turn to, to deliver a film. Nobody says a word until and shit gets real. Shit gets real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, good to see you. And the George is in the house. Good to see you. Oh, hope you feel better soon. He says he's sicker than a dog. And I also see um Glober Mom says hello, everyone. Back from Irish Demon streaming premiere. Very cool. Thank you so much, Glober Mom. I do appreciate it. Good to see everybody. I don't think George I've said has never arrived. You do what your shirt in the George said. Let us know. Let us know. Send us an email, um, and the Jordan, or send a Discord message. Would be better for that one. We're having um, I, I if if the shirt gets gets uh, uh, sent back to me as unreturned, then I get a notification. The only uh, the only uh, most sarcasm just received his shit gets real T shirt uh, today. Um, but yeah, if if it, if it gets returned as undeliverable, I get an immediate notification, just like it happened with Jinju. Jinju's shirt got returned to me as undeliverable, but sometimes Teespring just takes time. And if I remember correctly, uh, that was Jinju. That was back in, that was in October. So, yeah. And then, um, I think, yeah, uh, and the Jord said, uh, you had limited edition shirt number four. Yeah, I shipped it to you, and it was not delivered as unreturned. It wasn't shipped back to me. So I don't know. It was. It was. It, I got the notification that it was delivered. Um, it says he thinks it might have been a porch pirate. Oh, that sucks. Oh, oh I hope not, dude. I really hope not. Dang. Oh, so yeah. Uh, that's. Oof. That blows. I hope not. But uh, oh, and Glover Mom says she got her shirt last week. Fan friggin' test. Travis mm-hmm. Brown got his. Good to go. Because I get notifications when they get dropped, just to make sure that they get hit. So. You know, like, and uh, Jinju, let me know. Let, uh, let me know. Make sure I got your right address so I can reroute that back to you. All right, but sorry about that. Uh, I just want to say hi uh, to the people who jumped in. Thank you, and Cindy John. I think Cindy Johnson popped in. Did I see? Yeah, there she is, Cindy Johnson. Good evening. Good evening uh, to you. Thank you so much for joining us. But I apologize for uh, jumping in there, Eugene. Uh, yes, contracted. Oh man! Holy shit! <laughs> Yeah. Which leaves nothing. Which leaves nothing up to the imagination in this one. <laughs> no, 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 no. You see it all. Don't, eat, don't it. eat and then watch. Yeah, watch, watch and then scrub your mind with bleach and then eat. Golly, you talk, so like you have social undertones here. I don't think they're undertones. I think they're overtones. Overtones. The obvious. Well, the film was a visual feast. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like a feast of Satan? I, I, no. I so wanted to be, <laughs> I so wanted to use that line. This film was a visual feast. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So shockingly, didn't it? Didn't take uh, the film is hardcore. It, it didn't take me to that point. Just like uh, a very similar film, *Thanatomorphos*, um, which is a film that kind of like same thing. So same social issues, you know, violence against women. And results in the you know, same kind of like gross grossness, but still didn't hit me like you know Brain Dead did. Brain Dead's the only the only horror film that's ever made me physically ill, 
which yeah. is why you know, a dead alive. Dead alive is the only film that has made me physically ill. But these ones were rough. Um, and yeah, I was say when I say so, yeah, the social undertones it give you social overtones. Obviously, you know we have a female led horror film, and she's not really well. Yeah, she's not really a final girl. Violence against women, mm-hmm. STDs. Yep. You know, day rape and that. Not to mention LGBT because. She's kind of flip-flopping between men and women. She's confused. She's angry. She's at odds with her mother. She's gender fluid. She's gender fluid. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think she's gender fluid. Well, no, no. I got got the sense that she that she that she didn't know that she that she didn't know who she wanted to be with was the problem. Yeah. And then everybody that her everyone around her felt like they like she was taking advantage of them. And then that's how people were responding. Dude's kind of, right. yeah, they were yeah. like, like her, her, her ex girlfriend. Yeah, was like, so yeah. That's, kind of how, that's kind of how her attacker like worked his way in, right? Because right. he was at this party and he was asking about her significant other and why she wasn't there with him, with her and whatnot. He used that as a means, like, well, then you don't really care about this person. So that was a manipulation that he used in order to take advantage of her. And well, then he drugged her. Well, yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, yeah. We were going to, we're going to skip over that part because. Uh, but it was yeah, it's rough. It really um, is. and I think really like, like beyond relatable to many many viewers out there who I mean it's 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 yeah. not overly graphic as depiction, but definitely it's it hits that and it's you know it's hardcore and then right. it's even yeah, that's worse. The it's, that's mm-hmm. the one of the, the out of the the majority of this movie that isn't over the top with like graphicness of it. That's the one that's subdued, but. It's probably the one that has the most effect because it's so subdued, and you kind of you have to, you know, you you're putting yourself in that that character's position um, just by the clues and you know the what little you do see during that that rape scene. Um, it's really well done, really well done. And I hate to say it, it sounds kind of shitty when you're talking about a rape scene. How oh they shot it really well, but in context of the film, they, it was an, they did an amazing job with with that. This is one of the this is an independent film. Um, uh, who the fuck put it out? Um, oh God, I did. I can't remember. But oh, IFC. This is IFC. IFC. Yeah, independent, IFC. independent film yeah. channel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was an excellent, excellent movie. It's shot really well. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and, and shot from me. I mean, when you take the perspective of trauma like this, you know, taken from the from the lead character because it's all shot. It's all her perspective. We are constantly with her on her journey through this, and that's right. the thing that hit me the most is that obviously. Um, Aaron Reese. Uh, oh yeah, Aaron Reese just points out rape is a plot device. Something a lot of people are coming out against now, and I understand that. I understand the knee jerk reaction to it, but it is a terrifying thing, and it is a subject that needs to be addressed. That you know, awareness of this, how to combat it. You know, the, the, this is one of those things. What what way horror utilizes it? Because this is one of those things that people in society really don't like to deal with because of the trauma, because of the horror, because of the damage it does. People just don't like being faced with this. Horror movies allow us to do this, to do that, and to have these conversations and to internalize these things and put it in a way that we can address them. And Contracted did it extremely well. Only utilized the la- the, the the lasting trauma that comes after a sexual assault or a date rape. That lasting trauma can feel psychologically. To I have not heard any woman disagree with this. That it feels like it eats away at them every single day. So that was one thing yeah. I wanted to, to bring out about this movie uh, and a movie like It Follows and whatnot. Talking mm-hmm. the conversation, there's a lot of people had have a problem with. Well, this is a rape-driven movie where the victim of the rape is turns out to be 
like they they get con- like she gets contracted through no fault of her own right? right she was she was you know and they look at well now you're turning her into the monster because of something that happened to her that was not her fault it's well yeah if you take if you take the the that portion of it and then everything else literally right as it's being shown on the film i can see what you're saying but if you look at the conversation that's being had there of how these types of trauma specifically sexual assault is damaging right if you don't look at at the character as really turning into a zombie but how it's like this thing that's happened to her is killing her from the inside out and how it starts to affect her relationships with other people she refused she refuses to address it it, right right exactly right so she refuses to address it and then that has detrimental effect on the relationships that you have with her with her with her girlfriend with her family members with friends because if you look at it from that scope from that context that's where you need to look at these 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 conversations these films are these films are forcing you to have look at what they're saying about how damaging these types of things are and how we really need to take sexual assault serious because this is the like the the hyper drama you know manifestation of that girl turns into a zombie because of an std and it's you know that's the allegorical thing we're looking at versus what we're really supposed to look at of how this, these types of assaults are extremely damaging, not just to the people that it happens to, but to everybody who's involved with this person, because again, right. it breaks down relationships. It causes, you know, psychological uh, torment and mental scarring and PTSD and all these things that we, you know, we need to address. And, and, it's, and one thing about it is I always felt like the, like the zombie part itself wasn't as part, it wasn't, as important as the fact that right. a lot of times when that happens to people, just the feeling of your body is being taken away from you mm-hmm. on it, and that it's now it belongs to something else. You're changing, right. you're, and it's we have this innate idea that's like, this is our you control yourself, you are who you are, this is your body, and then someone violently takes that from you, mm-hmm. and it's like. Everything that you've been taught up to that point is just wrong. Someone can take your body from you on it and the detrimental effects to it. It's just, just talking with people who've been through um, experiences like that. And I'm glad that there are movies out there that will have that conversation because we even even today, it's still hard for victims to come out. It is the only crime where people will blame the victim. Well, yep. you shouldn't have drank so much. What were you wearing? Yep. Uh, did and you give any they, false signals? And they explore the. They definitely yeah. explore that because that's one of her primary concerns after she's assaulted. Is she's it's that she literally goes through there like she's in the situation. She knows what's happened to her, and then she's in her mind trying to rationalize this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, did I do this? Did I do that? You know, what happened here? Did I allow this to happen? I'm in this kind of situation. You know, did I did I come on to him? I don't know. I like she doesn't know. But then she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to address it out loud. She doesn't want to address it with other people because she's afraid of people coming on over her, you know, coming at her with that. Well, what did you do to bring this on? So that forces her to isolate and not address her problem, which invariably leads to the, you know, the, you know, the deterioration of her body, of not just first her body and then her mind. Right. And she begins to realize that she's alone, and she, and just like a person lashing out at that trauma trying to lashing because the only you can't fight the trauma itself so you lash out at everything around you because you're projecting it everywhere and that's what she's doing everyone's abandoning me everyone hates me it's like 
and the, the allegory is absolutely brilliant. And as the story follows her journey through this, we're with her every single step of the way. The deterioration of her social life, the deterioration of her personal life, you know, the things going on in her own, like the things that she loved are now slipping away from her. And the trauma consumes her just as the virus is consuming her from the inside out until eventually, at the end, she's completely unrecognizable and no one knows what to do. Right. And everyone's at a loss because they're suddenly taken aback by what is by the culmination of what has occurred. It was a beautiful and as it yes, gory, gross, stomach churning at some points. But that is what women who are victimized in this fashion, that is what they go through. I could not think of a better of a more perfect allegory as a for as far as a horror film to convey the emotion of what is happening. When an individual, male or female, goes through this yeah. trauma, it doesn't matter. That trauma consumes you from the inside. Right. This is just watching it in visual, in visual fashion, and right. what it feels like for them. And that's why it hit me. It, I mean, it'll it'll hit you in this. It'll hit you in two ways. It'll hit you in the gut because when the maggots and shit start, the bats, yeah, like the little things like when she's peeling off her fingernails and whatnot. Right. Like, oh, fingernails yeah. are coming out, the hair starts coming out, her eyes start milking over, yeah. skin starts deteriorating, maggots and stuff start coming out of her, you know, unmentionable places, you know, and still not dealing with this. Mm-hmm. So really, really wild stuff until eventually it culminates into the tragedy that it becomes. And I saw, I, I apologize for this. I got to jump over here to the live chat. Logical Hillbilly, I do apologize. Um, says, right, JL, you don't have to say my name. I'm often mistaken for being absent. I do see you, sir, and I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, I do apologize <laughs> yeah. about that. But yeah, this was, this one was hard. It's, it's, a, tough, any, it's a tough movie for multiple reasons. It's very difficult. Yeah. And um, and from that social perspective is is amazing makes this film really underrated it's just the the graphic nature of it the, the 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 essentially the zombifying from the inside out makes it really hard to watch which i think was it hurt it overall but i think everybody should see it because if you I can don't stomach know. that I it hurt it see, overall. I, I like it i like I it because... oh i love it as well yeah no it's, well it, it won some it won some awards um you know it was it did very well in the in the circuit, so I don't think it hurt it. I think actually that was probably the thing that brought more people to have this, you know, this uh, film. You know, um, I think I think it, the, those things brought the other attention to it, right? Right. Well, zombie film, so you get that zombie crowd, and then you know everything. You know what I mean? And that's what was cool is that this is flipping the zombie script. Zombie movies in themselves. I love zombie films. I love the undead, whether they're like Romero, slow zombie, slow shamblers, or there are what is it? Um, uh, you know, Zack Snyder, fast super zombies that are just right. fucking terrifying and shit. I don't care. Zombie movies are great, and I love the different ways that zombies can be done. Viral zombies, alien zombies, uh, magical zombies doesn't matter. Demonic I, zombies. I dug using zombies as an allegory. Because I can't remember the last time they I saw before all, this one. Should, you know, look, every, well, the, every zombie film, every good zombie film is never about zombies. They're well, all yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, uh, Dawn of the Dead, especially. Yep. Dawn of the yeah. Dead was obvious. Yeah. You know, um, that was heavy handed, but good way. Right. And well, but Return of the Living Dead, I wouldn't say Return of the Living Dead was really 
that no, because military uh, military no. industrial complex yeah. oh yeah. maybe you know and i i just i hadn't seen it taken to this particular level because typically zombies are allegor allegorical for we you know the ails of society like things right. that are bad like big government big pharma right. you know the unknown of like space or like the intrusion into you know like space the intrusion into medicine or whatever humans tampering with things they have no business with Right, but the and or it's or it's like consumerism, the things that blind us, you know, things that make us all act the same, that turn us yeah. into lemmings, hurting towards Black Friday and stuff. So and you know, consumption of things like, like they tell us what to consume, and then we go and consume it. Oh, I must have a big screen TV, which is per. It's always so great. I'd never seen it done in this way, and I love how it flipped the script on that and utilized another aspect of zombies that people don't really think about: the loss of identity, the the deterioration of self. And then applied that to societal, to like individual trauma. Mm. Brilliant in that. Flipping the script. Always really, really cool. When they do it, and they do it successfully. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hand, I mean, hands down, agreed. It's, this is one of those, this is one of those movies that you just, you need to watch. Yep. Second one, oh, I don't know. The second one, eh. Yeah, I, I, was, yeah, I, I, wasn't I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a phase one. This is phase one. There is a phase two. Where it kind of continues on, but it goes more into the whole like you know the the guy who committed the act in the first one is actually like trying to bring about the end of the world and shit. He's kind of like yeah, he's spreading the disease. Weird. So yeah, it gives him a weird just a yeah weird motivation. I don't know if I like it. This although I will say the second one had some pretty graphic stuff as well. When you know when she's when the girl is zombifying, she tries to pull her contacts out. That was because you realize her, her eyes are bugging her so she tries to so she realizes you got to take her contacts out and they kind of like fuse to her eyes yeah that was that's that was horrible <laughs> that was pretty horrific <laughs> so anyways <laughs> on that one so i was going to say Aaron Reese Karens are basically the bloater of consumer zombies. <laughs> this is true. Oh, Sir so Kevin says, nah, the bloaters ride scooters. Karens are the screamers. Oh. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a left for dead reference there. Nicely done. Nicely done. Well, I know. So we we we've been talking about contracted and we briefly mentioned the second one, phase two. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, and I want to ask the audience, do you feel like there should be a third one on it? Uh, my opinion, I think no. I think you have, you. first of all, it shouldn't even be a second one. You just have the isolated story. You have your, <laughs> you have your overall uh, theme that you're trying, the theme and message that you're trying to show the audience. Uh, like, you can't just keep shoving the same theme at the audience constantly. So you have to go somewhere else. I think anywhere else you go detracts from yep. the first. Right. Oh, no. I agree. But yeah, let us know if, we, if there should be a third one or not. Yes or no? No. There should only be one. I'm saying no. And I agree. There shouldn't have been a two. They didn't need exploration. It was a nice, tight story because at the end, ultimately, you know, she turns, she dies, she turns, and then she gets put down by the, by the police because she assaults her, she attacks her mother. And the end of the zombie story, that's the end of the zombie story. Because she gets shot in the head, so she's yeah. done. And it didn't need to... I, I know that the director probably wanted to express it. He did. He, you could have just left it there. That maybe what happened to her was a manifestation of her trauma. And you know, it was kind of ambiguous. Like, well, was he infected with the zombie so, virus or was this? Yeah. That's the kind of ambiguity that works. Exactly, exactly. Right. Yeah. When, when the film 
leaves the leaves the amb, the, amb, uh, the ambiguous nature of the film or is pulled from the film itself like you, you right. know, all this stuff the, all this information the story and, and then at the end of it, it was like but was it real or was it something different you know that's the kind of ambiguity that works the shit that was in that first movie they just stopped the movie they're just like okay we can't do this anymore we need to stop it roll fuck credits right that's uh, all we could see. say <laughs> um, <laughs> Travis Brown says, "Yeah, it should only be two Uh, Aaron Ray says, "If you've ever had to wipe down an electric shopping cart seat, that's a horror movie." That's some contracted oh. shit right there. <laughs> oh, I was I was sitting there and I was I went over to uh, the fair and we ended up taking a dart rail at one of the dart rail stations, and like a lady was sitting in one of the chairs. And she just pulled her pants. She didn't even stand up. She just pulled her pants down and just let it flow. Uh, just, just golden showered the entire chair and everything underneath, including some of her own stuff. I guess is when it's your own. I, don't I, I guess. I <laughs> guess. So that, that that traumatized me. Anyways, <laughs> what the hell? Nerd Journal says, "Hey, zombies have to be real." Hell, is JFK Jr. going to show up? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. Sarcasm says trilogies are overrated. Aaron Reese's sequels need to feel like they were planned before the first movie was even shot. Good point. And Charlie Welch rounds that up with a blah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that uh, JFK Jr. comment. I I just I can't. <laughs> just this is the world we live in. That's a real uh, thing. That's that's what makes it I fun. know. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb asses in our home state. They're like, hey, well, check it out. Oh, Dude, you know, maybe they thought it was going to be like a uh, like a tulpa. Like, if enough people believe that it will literally manifest into yeah, reality, like uh, JFK Jr. manifested into reality because so many people believe it. Like, yeah. I was like Slender Man and shit. He got JFK Jr. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> just exactly like that. He's <laughs> oh man, I guess we need to get into this next one because uh, oof. Uh, yes, it's Johnny. a very up and down episode. It really is. is. This one's not terrible, not as bad no. as Feast of Satan. Yeah. No, this I wouldn't say this one was bad. It's just old as fuck. It's yeah, it's 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 yeah. even older than Feast of Satan, so yeah. Yep. Anyway, so we're talking about the 1958 kind of hammer horror-ish not really hammer horror uh, i was a teenage frankenstein or 57. uh 57 58 is when it came out oh i'm 57. sorry double feature uh well i guess 57 is a double feature with blood of dracula yes but it was released in 1958 according to these um what you say we go by the release date in the states it was it... you know what I didn't interrupt you when you did your stupid shit. Don't you interrupt me when I'm doing mine. Because the 57 release, the 57 release date is in November. Oh, for fuck's sake. <sighs> it's called Week in Horror for a reason. <laughs> I was a teenage Frankenstein is a film starring Whit Bissell, Phyllis Coke, and Gary Conway. <laughs> action wit right. <laughs> which is something J- something uh johnny has never heard nope never ever because <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, yeah i don't think that's <laughs> <laughs> um, 
This is an old 50s films, and oh, these yeah. old 50s films are fun. I like these old... Hi. Sorry, doggy. I like these old films. I love this shit, you know? This was good. This is good classic filmmaking. Yeah. You know, at the time when the basics... I mean, this is this is obviously, you know, riffing along the, the classic Universal monsters, just, you know, repackaging them into different forms so they could deliver them to a different demographic. What was the second or the third one in the, the young... The second one, the first one was um, I was a teenage werewolf, werewolf yeah. which I think a lot yeah. of people could have a lot. I think that one, a lot of people, the, the, the cool thing about this, the history of this is that Universal began to market films towards market their, their Universal monsters towards a younger demographic because this was in the 50s. Whereas the previous one grew up in the 30s when you had Dracula, Bela Lugosi and Frankenstein, Boris Karloff, you know, Claude Rains, Invisible Man, then you know, so on and so forth. You had the classic like Universal the monsters of these. Right. Films monster so then they get their they get their sequels they get the trilogies they get a couple of crossovers frankenstein meets the wolfman and so on and then of course you gotta start repackaging 20 years later 20 plus years later we still have these these properties but there's a new demographic the people who grew up with dracula are now you know homeowners they just don't have the time to go out to the drive-in anymore to go to the you know to go to the movie house go to the picture show to go to the to go to the the pick the 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 flicker shows shows. (laughs) (laughs) i've never seen me a flicker show (laughs) so for those who have seen uh green Green mile yeah yeah he was a michael clark duncan rest in peace but so um and they you know they begins this trend of re kind of repackaging and remarketing and putting uh going for the demographic of young teenagers so yeah, why so not put the idea about reboots this shit's been going on since oh, literally yeah. the beginning oh of yeah the- yeah but it's going up it's been going on since the 30s yeah you know because mm-hmm. you know bella lugosi wasn't the only one to play dracula and they retold that story a number of times between the 30s and the 60s before even hammer horror got a hold of it yep. and started doing it again yep. so yeah this is this is you know this is oh, like man. par for the course this is this is SOP for the yeah. industry. Is just rebooting, rehashing, remixing, yeah. trying to yeah. change it up a little bit. And that's what was fun about this one is that they started regearing towards teenagers by putting teenagers in the slot. Like I was a teenage werewolf. Yeah. I was a teenage Frankenstein. And these two work because the idea of the where of the Wolfman. I was a teenage werewolf. The idea of change. Teenagers growing up. Things are changing all around them. They're you know they're moving from adolescence into adulthood, and sometimes you feel alone. Sometimes you feel different. You're getting hair in funny places, and you know that's what you know. Wolfman that works, <laughs> and the same thing kind of goes for Frankenstein, where you're kind of coming into your identity of who you are. Are you an amalgamation of what your parents have made, or are you you know your own man? You know how. How uh, how individualized are you? Do you have your individual? Or are you what society has composed you? Are you what everybody else wants you to be? Or are you who you are? And people are asking these questions, which is why I think these two movies, who really, the, the, the Werewolf and Frankenstein, released the same year, 1957. And Wolf, you know, I was a teenage werewolf, was just months. I think it was in July of 57, which is why these two did so well and why they popped as well. And because teenagers could relate to it. And this, of course, you know, is kicks you know it helps to kick off the entire stream of let's put teenagers in horror movies yep because yep. they can identify i want to be a hero i want to be this i, I can put myself in the shoes because i don't know who i am maybe i can be this person maybe you i know? can be steve mcqueen right that teenager and this particular this particular <laughs> one you know despite you know the it's 1957 the effects are kind of goofy you know it's like the face no, the effects are great for the time well, it's true. For the time, yeah, they're amazing. When you go up there, it's like, that's, I mean, it was great stuff. 
And you can see some of the inspirations of you know, this kind of going into Twilight Zone, how Twilight Zone took some of the inspirations from that. And I really enjoyed that they did it. I particularly loved the story on this, how they really went after the idea of they use the Frankenstein story and then just repackage it towards a younger audience that has those identity issues. And it played so well. You know, I thought it was smart. And this is just, and while, you know, you watch it one time and you're good to go, you know, it's like, I don't need to see this again. You know, watch it with Blood of Dracula, which was a double feature, or watch it with, you know, I was a teenage werewolf, uh, or teenage wolfman, and then, you know, double feature or whatever, and then you're good to go. It was an oddly enjoyable, kind of like throwaway movie. This, you know, a fun time. This is what, this is what made 50s movies fun. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree. I think, uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen this or any of the, any of the good old, schlock of the 50s and 60s you check it out you know uh it's horror films that you can watch with your kids oh yeah they're not going to be over the top gruesome and gory and whatnot you might they might get a you know a little fright out of it depending on how old they are but good this is like really good somebody asked me once how what kind of stuff i would show my kids to introduce them to the horror genre it would be stuff like this if i you know earlier on you know when they're you know eight or nine or whatever you know show them stuff like this be great it's good stuff it's fun. It's, it's just fun stuff. I mean, on top of that, you got a film that just knows its audience. Yeah. If right. you know exactly who you're going for and who you're targeting, you make a film for them. And if you if you pull off everything they're looking for, you can't go wrong. I think this is the this is something that's worth exploration. Classic films from studios, from you know, like oh, this is back, you know, back in the day when studios pretty much had had way more control. Okay. And it's different than it, obviously it's different than it is today. And people were saying like the reason I'm thinking about this. Aaron Ray says I have I only have problems with the late '80s and early 2000s. So much garbage. That's because filmmaking the uh, filmmaking ideology, I guess the theory of filmmaking when it comes to like studio involvement and everything is it's wildly different than it is today. Yep. So back then, I've noticed that like you said, films really didn't have identity problems in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. Films knew what they were. They knew who they were targeted for, and that was the focus. Well, see, but and, the beauty part about films back then is that because it was such a new, it was a new thing. Like making movies back in the 30s, the 20s, and 30s was brand fucking new. Oh yeah. So it it didn't naturally the the experimentation was making the movie right. So there wasn't that inclination like, well, we've been doing this shit for fucking 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 years. Now let's see if we can experiment and do something different, and it just fails because there's too many people trying to put their great ideas or great experimental ideas into a film too many cooks in the kitchen right and and yeah. back then you had i mean studio involvement it was pretty much the studio head people in between and the director yeah and, and they it were was all very learning. streamlined right yeah because they were all learning this genre this new art form there was again there was just not so much there was more back and forth probably more trust for directors by studio heads than than today uh and you know there was no you know, back then, if you had a hit hit film, you weren't going to make a million dollars or thousand, you know, ten thousand dollars maybe, right? Nowadays, you're talking about, you know, you need to return. You've got fucking Marvel Studios making forty eight million dollar budgeted films that need to return a hundred plus million to be considered successful. Sometimes, like you have to hit, like you know, at least hit your budget in opening weekend, right? At minimum, yeah, at minimum, yeah, like we spend this amount of money to make the movie. We need to make that money money back. Like the the like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the first right. three days. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like what the shit. And yeah, I mean, it has become more complicated. And he's right. And I think 
because, you know, while there were problems with that top-down structure of the, the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s, the way studio heads, the way studios managed their actors, managed their directors, people were contracted out and you had, weird, people were, you know, contractually obligated because you say, we would sign you for like a five-picture deal. You do five pictures and then you're done. You're right. gone unless you re-up. But you haven't made us any money, so we're not going to re-up your contract. You make us a bunch of money, you know, you've got five right. movies. Yeah. You know, and then that's how it was done. It was very streamlined and very, and I think, very controlled. So not a lot of the, so you have not only a bunch of voices. You got the director's voice, probably the writer's voice if they had clout, and the studio executives. Right. It's pretty much it. Oh, even a lot of times the directors back then, because <laughs> if you have the named do you have the named actors, the Clark Gable, the Humphrey Bogarts of that yeah. level, they will, they're going to take them over a director any day. So you oh, would have yeah. sometimes you would have five, six directors that actually worked on one film, and the only one that gets credited is the last one. So you can you may have somebody who they they were the director on the post production audio, like that was it, and they'll get the <laughs> director credit because they're the last wow. one. Yeah, so I think you know while there were problems with that process, I mean obviously there's there you know people got taken advantage of. Sometimes people just got you know shitty movies thrown their way because of contractual obligations, so that they would get the the dread that happened to to, uh, to Bella Lugosi in his final years. There were contractual obligations, so they just threw him garbage to fulfill their contractual obligation, just so they could get rid of him. You know something that happens. People get taken advantage of. It is capitalism at its worst, but. We did get a better run of movies than I think we do today, just because of all the influence you got. Pardon me. I think I'm about to sneeze. Sorry. Me too. Oh, anyway, because nowadays you got investors who have their says. You have boards of directors that get their say. There it is. <laughs> there we go. I think I muted myself in time. You got the board of directors that have their say. You got the director that has their say. You got the actors who have their say. Unions have their say. Yeah. There's a lot of cooks in that kitchen, you know. It's like um, Duncan, uh, it's like Duncan Jones said. Sometimes yeah. it's death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, as I say, ultimately the guy who has the last say is a money man. Like no, right? Yeah. Yeah. An interesting yeah, it just, thing, and I think it also should be stated because the teenage thing, while it kind of lingered, and putting teenagers in movies was great. There was a social outcry when this thing took off. You know, when when people when people started putting yeah. teenagers in these roles, when you know studios started putting teenagers in these roles, there was a reaction to this, which I found to be very eerie because this is the fifties, and normally this is like something I started first started hearing about in the eighties. You know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Even public outcry. There's nothing. There's no original content in public outcry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm just waiting. Go silent for JLG muses Mike, and we all just stop talking <laughs> to piss him off. I'm going home. That's it. So our next movie today is going to be. What are we talking about? We're talking. Oh yeah, it's talking about social outcry and teenagers and yeah. Look, man, just no. Nobody, nobody's got anything original. Even your outrage has been done before. Okay, all you social justice warriors. <laughs> yeah, talking about. Things such as, oh my God, now they're teenagers. Because back then, it's just adults. Yeah, it was adults, or you had like a family. Or um, the teenager was again Steve McQueen, who was forty or some shit like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on it, and but I mean, it's appeal appealing to a new audience because you're getting this generation that comes up for yep. the first time that grows up on movies. 
Right. When you get movies yeah. from the 20s, right. people are already adults by the first time they ever saw their first movie. And it was just something, it probably became a nice little novelty that they could enjoy throughout the rest of their life. But when people are born and you're exposed to movies, movies right. people go in the movies, they've hit that culture point on it. And you're getting your marketing to that new generation out right. there that that now has a voice exactly exactly and it's important to i mean i think that's what really like jl said earlier that's kind of what cemented teenagers being integral part of the horror genre mm -hmm. so we can thank you know i was a teenage frankenstein and i was a teenage werewolf we can thank you for that because well, i mean even see the teenage years are always so confusing that can be so difficult because you're dealing with school you're dealing with that transition of being becoming from a child to an adult and it's always a weird hormones are out of whack there's always there's so many there's so many crazy things that we can all relate to when yep. you start getting when you start getting older and older and older in life people go their separate people go their separate ways and based on your experiences something may may or may not relate to you but we all remember things like going through puberty when you're in high school and you have your high school crush that you see walk down the hallway, how do you deal with that? How are you dealing with friends? Oh, that's simple. You just fucking make an awkward joke, laugh at yourself, and then turn around and run away. That's how you yeah, do and it. then you hope, you hope that works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you go hide out in the corner like, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's just here. Yeah, Aaron Reese points out it all goes through waves. Every trend circles back and sparks the same counter trend. Yep. I think that uh, looking into this and looking to the societal response, I guess like the the parental response, that generation responding to this one, to this film, and like I realize that you know the whole thing, like because when I grew up, you know, in the late '80s going into the '90s, it was about video games. You know, because video games were becoming so prevalent. It was about video games inspiring yeah. people to do violence. Right. Whereas in this one, it was like, the, but it goes back to movies. And I have no doubt if I if I researched it and went back even further, it would be books. Certain oh, books yeah, inspiring people. You have these, these ideas or certain of, plays, right? Yeah, that was part of my discipline uh, in the when, you know, graduating, whatever, English major. You have to read all these fucking books and learn about world history. And you had all, all this stupid shit, all this literature bullshit that I want to have to read. But yeah, they talk about that. They talk about how, you know, the first time people read um, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and how that influenced people, and they were like, "Oh no, you know, this all these different ways that nothing is original." People have been pissed off about entertainment for millennia, millennia. Yeah. Oh, I see. Angie has joined us. Thank you so much, Angie. It's good to see you. And I am sorry to hear that her people that were pissed off at like Mozart and Beethoven and Bach because they did things called harmony. No bullshit. I'm not. I'm not kidding. That was a legitimate complaint that these composers way back when got because everything was Gregorian chant. Harmony was considered that of the devil, and these guys are putting harmonies in there. Oh my god. I wanted to say hi to uh, hi to Angie who's joined us. Thank you so much, Angie. And sorry to hear that your uncle uh, passed. Uh, just recently um all of our best uh to you and your family so that i know that's tough but uh so glad you're here thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate the support that middle finger was for jl andrew not you why yeah. i was trying to say hi to her i know but then he's like and then i was giving you and then you're like talk you know giving your condolences and i was like oh shit Fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh great now he can't no, he, he, went, he went to say something nice god yeah, damn it now i feel like a dick <laughs> 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 
Oh, I love this Aaron Reese. I was a teenage asshole based on a true story. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Our uh, our our lives, our our audience is amazing. I love these. Every single one of you is amazing, and and is I just love it. I I love what you guys come up with. You're so yeah, y'all are so much funnier than we are. Um, but yeah, I, I dug this one. I really, really enjoyed, uh, and I enjoyed learning about that. So that kind of social commentary that, that, you know, parents were afraid this was something like I was a teenage friend because I would inspire people to like do stuff and like go out there and like they did the scene, you know, with the, when he's like looking into the girl, you know, replicating the Frankenstein scene with the little girl with the flower. flower, Exactly. And I, and I loved how they did it. Yeah. Yes. And really well done. And, you know, but thinking about, like, I'm trying to think of parents. These are teenagers here. So their parents were probably born in the 30s, probably post-depression, yeah. maybe depression. Yeah, like but 20s, 30s, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So you got, like, post-depression era parents raising up their kids, the, the teenagers in the 50s, probably you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, watching them and go, like, oh, they'll get ideas and go peeking, you know, peeping in women's, you know, windows and stuff. And, oh, and I was like, What? It's hard to find, but no, no, I've gotten, you know, my mother, I have to say, my own mother didn't like The Simpsons. Oh, my mother hated The Simpsons. And she did not want me or my brother watching The Simpsons because Bart, because she saw a t-shirt with Bart Simpson on it that had like his dialogues, I'm an underachiever and proud of it. And my mother hated that. She did not want a role model for her kids to be proud of underachieving. Goddamn Nancy Cartwright. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, Aaron, you know, Aaron was right. Um I wrote it in the last night. You all are funny, but looks don't count. Stop. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> Look, I don't care how I get the laugh, as long as I'm getting the laugh, okay? As long as you're having fun. <laughs> how does zombie go? Oh. Oh. Slender Man. So yeah, yeah we're just, talking about all these universal horror films and right. all these different types of monsters, and that's what I want to ask the audience: Who is your favorite universal monster? Let us know. We can horror at gmail.com side chat or the comment section down below. Hit us up. Let us know who is it. Who is it? What, I don't what, know. What's y'all's favorites? I don't know. Maybe the mummy because huh? I don't know. It's tough. That's a tough one. Frankenstein was always Karloff, a cool. Karloff was badass in the mummy. Karloff was badass in everything he did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, I don't know. It's either the mummy or Frankenstein because of the because of the commentary that's happening in Frankenstein. I love this. It's so 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 good. That scene with the little girl and the flower in the original film was just amazing. I gotta go, Wolfman, Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, fucking yeah. nice. That was just you know just that the scene in the woods and like that is just like oh. Such fantastic, you know, filmmaking. Yeah. Just suspense, tension, classic stuff. You know, the black and white made it all the better. I do Wolfman. Yeah, I, I got to go Invisible Man. Ooh, get some nice. rains, fucking dude. That opening scene. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, just all the, the the amount of effects that went behind. I mean, the true just unwrapping in the different stages yeah. that they went through with the mixture of makeup effects and practical effects to pull that off is just amazing. He's all eating away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All great stuff. Uh, We got a lot of love for Dracula in the side chat. A lot of Dracula love. 
Oh, and then Travis Brown was an invisible man. Love definitely Connie Johnson with Dracula. President Starscream says my mom wouldn't let me watch The Simpsons either as a kid. And hi all. Hello, President Starscream. Hello, President Star Starscream. Hi. Good to see you. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I think and um, Connie jo oh, Connie Johnson. Yeah, Connie Johnson. <laughs> Cindy Johnson. Yeah, Connie and Cindy Johnson up in the house. I am. Oh, Cindy Johnson. Says, I am the mom that said no to these types of shows. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Thanks, Ma. But see, but but Ma, she, she, all my friends are watching it. If I go to school and I don't know what Bart Simpson did on last night's episode, you're going to call me a dweeb. We were kids bitching that we wouldn't have the up on the like water cooler conversation in school. I missed the new Power Rangers episode. They're going to talk about it without me. Oh, you know when Beavis and came out? That was like... Oh, oh. yeah. Run yeah. MTV and cable television for that trash. That was the turning point. That was, I think, that that right there. That was the turning point in our society when things started going downhill. Was when MTV stopped playing music. Yeah, that uh, was pretty uh, much it. Well, if they Beavis just kept playing okay. music. Beavis and Butthead was okay because they played music in Beavis and Butthead. That was part of the show, but it was yeah. in the real world. That's what fucking killed it. When MTV put out the real world and started reality television. Right. Yeah. Oh wow, well, we got some uh we got some other love here. Let's see. Um oh, oh Chris Derby's channel. Favorite favorite monster, Rudy Giuliani. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Lagoon, right? Um and I say, oh, Aaron Reese, creature from the Black Lagoon. He was the actual protagonist of that movie, just chilling in a lagoon. And people came and stirred his shit up. Yeah, fucking yeah. guy wouldn't, he wouldn't. He didn't go hunting with little kids. He, Kept to his own, like fucking. I'm having you, know, whatever. I need to come over here and you fucking steal my steak. What the fuck, man? Hey. Somehow he's a Guido from New York. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Wrote it, no last name, favorite universal monster, Tom Cruise. He was a monster. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, yeah, uh, we've got some, uh, not, not universal, but yeah, world's first zombie. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Mm. All sorts of good stuff, good fun stuff in there. All right. Well, I guess it's time for the last one, huh? Is it? it I is. think so. All right, JL. It's a good one. This was an excellent one. Absolutely. Um, Spanish. All right. So, yes, a Spanish film. Excellent Spanish film. So, released November 23rd, 2007. We have the Spanish horror or Spanish zombie film, Zombies Again, Wreck, meaning record, but Wreck. So yes, uh wreck. And oh come on, Cindy Johnson. Red and Stimpy was amazing. It's log, log, it's big, it's heavy. It's, well, come on, that song is amazing. <laughs> Hi, Elizabeth. Good to see you. Good to see you, Elizabeth. Anyway, go ahead, wreck. Oh, and Elizabeth Sylvester, thank you so much. Yes. Good to see you. Yes. All right. So the Spanish zombie film Wreck follows a reporter and her cameraman as they accompany a group of firefighters on an emergency call to an apartment building. Uh, the situation quickly escalates after an infection begins spreading inside, and then the government comes in and seals off the building, and the survivors must, you know, try to get out, you know, before things, you know, before shit, you know, shit gets real. But shit does get real very, very quickly. Ooh, yeah, very quickly. I dug this one. Um, essentially, it is kind of found footage. Because everything is shot from the cameraman. The cameraman is following the reporter, so she's the focus. And yeah. then, of course, going through this kind of situation, this isolated, this uh, sealed-off building uh, that she's having to contend with. And I loved 
this movie was amazing. The remake, the American remake of it, not so much. But I really, really enjoyed this one. Just, um, I guess it was kind of like the unique spin. Oh, and I didn't even, I didn't even say, I'm sorry, but I didn't even break down the film itself. Directed by uh, Wombe Polagero and Paco Plaza and uh, written by Paco Plaza and starring Manuel Velasco, Ferran Terraza, Jorge Yaman Serrano, Pablo Rosso, David Vert, Vicente Gill, Martha Car- Carbonell, and Carlos Vicente. So sorry I didn't break that down. But uh, I thought for sure you were going to give this one to Eugene just because of that right there. Oh, I wouldn't do that to him. I took the names and the bad film this week. (laughs) I took the hit. So so that means next week's going to be really bad. Oh yeah, (laughs) next week's just going to be like it's going to be some fucking like Indian shit. It's going to be some Russian surreal. (laughs) (laughs) It's all a bunch of still. It's all just a bunch of consonants, no vowels. Fucking, I'm just going to put the whole script in Cyrillic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but I love this. I love this one. It was an interesting spin. This was kind of a new spin on the zombie, uh, on the zombie deal because it wasn't that, totally zombies. Yeah, it wasn't totally zombies. Uh, that the idea that they had there was cool. I thought it was a cheap way of doing a cheap get around of doing found footage film. Yeah, because by the by the fact that you already have a news reporter established. And then she's because she goes and she meets him at the fire station and just they're looking for a call. They finally go and you get a call, which I want I want to point out has a really impressive five minute take where they leave the fire station and go all the way up the stairs. So they leave the fire station, they're on the fire truck, get into the apartment complex and go up the stairs. It's one unbroken shot, by the way. That's really yeah. impressive. And but the fact that it's contained and it's a news reporter, and then once they start basically getting quarantined off, they're like, "Well, we want to hide this as evidence." I think it's a great workaround to explain found footage versus mm-hmm. just I have my cell phone and I don't want to put it down. Right. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is this is one of the ways. One of the ways. Because found footage is very difficult to do, and the biggest thing I don't like about found footage is that it seems like it's a cheap way to get a found footage movie done or a movie a film done. Where we are experiencing this type of thing, right? Um, so their their way of getting around it, talking about well, this is a news report. Like, okay, that makes sense. Makes sense for them to be there like this. It re- it really does, and then it works because then it's just kind of happening all around you. It really kind of puts you in because it feels claustrophobic. You know, you're not having a big apartment lobby that they're all hanging out in. You go in the building, you have the stairs, it feels cramped, it feels claustrophobic, and then you have like the one firefighter who hits the ground and it right. just comes out of nowhere, just boom, it just surprises you. It keeps that tension up the entire time and it really makes you feel claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. I like, yeah, I, I really, I enjoyed it in that respect. There was a film that was, that it reminded, that uh, reminded me of this and that was the, uh, it was part of the eight films to die for. Um, uh, series uh, after dark called Mulberry Street, where it was it, it that was also kind of a zombie thing, but it was like mutated rat people because of a virus being spread by rats. But they turned into like you know man eating rat people. But nonetheless, it, the the center of the focus of that was an apartment building, very similar to this one. So it had that same quality to it, which I really really dug. It lent itself to it because th- I think because there wasn't a lot of like the the jerky thing. You know, like yeah, when you're in the apartment complex. Everything is they're structured. Everything you have your hallway, you, you have your your ups, downs, your horizontals. Everything is pretty much focused, and you can like where you're looking is it. When you're out in the open, like Blair Witch, it can come from everywhere because right. there's no walls. 
there's no structure. It's literally just open ground. So then the camera is all over the place and you get that kind of jerky sensation that a lot of people didn't like. They can kind of give you motion sickness when you're watching it on the big screen. Didn't get this in this one. Not to mention, like you said, person with a cell phone is different than a professional cameraman who is trained to maintain this camera and right. do it correctly because, you know, he's shooting for shooting for the news. I love what they did with this. And I love the twist at the end with uh, the uh, – oh, I don't want to mess up the name. I have to, have to make sure that I double check it again. Um, with Tristia, with Tristana, with Tristana Maderos, the that part of the plot I thought was really, really cool because it kind of takes a twist. Or it, it doesn't really twist. I would say it opens up the door to something much larger, to a much larger universe. Because we realize you know, once you get to the point, and, and it doesn't even come till the third act. And then you touch on a little bit, but then the big climax happens and like, you know, the mutated or whatever Tristana comes out, blah, which was, I have to admit, for I, I typically don't like night vision. I don't. Yes. I don't like night vision shots. I don't, but it worked here. And it was fucking freaky. Eight. The- yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, I don't know, like I said, when it comes to found footage, and we have slammed on found footage, none of us are huge fans of the genres, except for a handful of exceptions. And this is this is the right one. This is the right one because it puts you in when it switches to that night vision. It just makes sense, right? That's the I think that's the biggest thing is that it just it makes sense and it allows you to buy into it. You're not getting the was it Cloverfield where they they're in the helicopter and the a creature whatever grabs helicopter. And you're like, oh, you should have been dead, and somehow they survive, and the camera still works because it has to, right? And, and just, I dug it. Yeah, it, they get attacked, and then the light gets damaged because right at the point they're using the camera, but they're having to use the light on the camera, the physical light of the camera. But then they get attacked, and in the in, in the melee, because people are getting knocked around and everything, or they fall off, they fall off the ladders, get scared by shit. The light gets damaged, he, and he himself says, "Crap, the light's damaged. I have to switch to I, I can only switch to night vision because even he realizes this sucks because you know your peripherals blow." You only have a very t- kind of like tunnel look as to what you can actually see. He knows how it's going to be bad, but it's the only way they're going to be able to see anything. On the converse, from us, the audience perspective, that means we only get like flashes of what's going on. Yeah. And the stuff that was going on with how you know, with with, uh, with character actor Javier Botet, you know, showing up there at the end with like that, I was like, oh, holy shit! <laughs> but I, and it's such a twist when you just you know discover all the all the religious iconography and the stuff going on in the in the, in the upstairs penthouse. That's so what's going. I love that spin because typically it's like, oh, there's an infection in the building. The government knows. Okay, so we got government involvement. But then they spun it. It was like, oh no, this this goes beyond that. Like the government is even rushing to catch up, you know, yeah. to try and contain this shit. But the but the church knew about it way in advance, which I really dug. I yeah, you know, just it was a really fun spin on uh the, on, on the zombie on the uh, the kind of zombie story. It could have fallen flat. But I love what they did with it. Everything was justified. Acting was fantastic. That uh, the the lead girl in this was magnificent. Uh, uh, Manuela Velasco, she was brilliant. I thought she had, and she's a scream queen to be sure. Oh, I actually I watched the thing on. We talk about the casting of it because she's a real life news reporter. Oh, badass! And so when they when they were actually casting everything, he, that's why he wanted to go reporter out. So she she does acting, but she's not like a full blown actress on it and then with the rest of the people 
in terms of in terms of casting wise, he only gave them partial scripts. So they didn't know certain things that were going to happen on it. So like when they go, uh, when they go to, I think it's like the store, like next door and they open the curtains and you see like the, the, uh, black plastic drop down Mm -hmm. on stuff. The directors, the, both the directors didn't tell them that was going to happen. They're like, okay, you're just going to go look out the window. So when the window opens up and they see all those people and every the curtains are coming down, they weren't expecting that. So that reaction or is genuine like surprise. Nice on it. And I think that's that's the way to go. They used a lot of like a lot of the firefighters are real firefighters. Very cool. I dig that. I I, I dig that you know the commitment to it because I mean the firefighters are going to react like firefighters because that's their training. She, I, I didn't know that, that she was actually a news reporter first because that's why she's so comfortable in front of the camera and handling a mic, you know, and and that that makes sense. Looking at the remake, because the, the film Wreck was, was uh, remade here in America as Quarantine, and it mm-hmm. got a sequel, Quarantine 2. Neither one of them I thought were great, were, were good. Maybe that was the missing link because those movies did not do well, which is why, you know, in Spain we got four Wreck films. And I think there might be a fifth one. I'm not sure. But coming up, I'm not sure. But, you know, we got two here in the States, and they were just, meh, whatever. And this, the second one was just like it really missed the bar completely. But for the, the first one was almost shot for shot. You know, almost. Yeah. There were a couple of differences, but it really didn't. It was just it was just like, eh, okay, maybe we, we – I thought, I thought it was because we did it before, but maybe it's because it's all actors portraying these things and not actual professionals. Because I think with, with Rec – Using real people, you get the you. It just makes it that much more real because in a found footage film, it has to feel real. And Rec really dives into it, whereas Quarantine feels like a movie set. Right? Like yeah, it, just, it, it does. It uses it, it makes it that much harder to buy into the found footage. Right. Yep. 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 Cut the last bit of that. Talk about how how much Quarantine sucked. Oh yeah, and, yeah. I, and I, I think I think Eugene may have hit on it because. In the uh, in wreck, the firefighters were real firefighters, like yeah. with you know f- trained as firefighters. And then like Manuela Velasco who plays who plays Angela in it. She's a like that like Manuela is actually a news reporter first, and an actress second. Yeah. So that's why it's so natural for her to be in front of the cameraman with the microphone, knows how to handle it, has done things like this before. She has natural training for that. And so we don't have to realize that we just need professionals in their element being faced with this extraordinary situation. And Eugene was telling me that they they only got partial scripts. Like they didn't realize when certain things were going to happen. Like, you know, when, when, they're, when, they, when they open up the window, they're looking outside, and all of a sudden the sheets drop down as the government is quarantining off the building. They didn't know that was going to happen. More natural reaction. It's natural reaction. That exactly. may have been what separated wreck from quarantine, why quarantine didn't do well. Because like Eugene said, the whole thing felt staged. Yeah, and well, uh, look. By the time that we got quarantine, found footage was kind of already faint, like faded. People were getting tired of it. Uh, and just you know, you really had to make a reason for the found footage work, and, and quarantine didn't do that, right? The wreck, the reason why it worked so well again, because the 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 setup for it just makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense, of course. If you got a somebody who's you know news reporter. Feelings on fire. Fuck yes, I'm going to be involved in that. I'm going to document, it. and then you know, getting real, going to document all that stuff. The way it was done, because like you know, as Eugene brought up the the different 
aspects of the you know the, the not full script getting the natural reactions having the firefighters first then you know then actors and then the newswoman first then she's an actress that that really builds into a believable it makes it easier for the audience to believe what's going on right screen whereas quarantine yeah it seems like it was a hell of a lot more it was just a staged you know like they when they went in and spent all kinds of time with the perfect lighting uh and wreck looked like it was just uh there's a nightlight over there fucking work with it you know bc yeah. says yeah wreck was made to feel like it could really happen right which is really really good i thought it was bro it's just brilliant made it probably the big separation between the two aaron reese like weekend horror says uh blair witch did that in the first movie they kept the the actors were kept on short sleep and were only partially aware of what was going to happen at any given moments and i remember that they would drop them like little packages that had notes but they never actually saw the directors mm-hmm. and the producers they would like leave them information like you're going to be encountering something like this you know deal with it and everything else was improv and you know interesting you know, i mean done that let me see um I saw somebody. Oh, somebody was making mention of something else. Um, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, Nerd Journal says, uh, you know, Grave Encounters 2 did kind of handled it as well. And I did like what Grave Encounters with the Vicious Brothers did with that as far as found footage goes, the way they handled that, because that was a an investigative team that was essentially everybody on the team was professionals, knew how to handle the cameras. And so you didn't get the the Blair Witch shakiness, you know, where we're out there, you know, where we're kind of out of our elements. So it helps for it. But yeah, that was the big thing. There was the split. I mean, there's this difference there. I think good, better choices were made with Wreck. And Quarantine just tried to capitalize on Wreck's success in trying, instead of trying to do what made Wreck successful, just do it yourself. Maybe it was a money thing. I'm not sure. But yeah, I agree. It just felt stable. Yeah, it just, not it, every problem can be solved by throwing money at it. Right. No, no. It's, and so that's why, like, some of these great films the low having that low budget because they have to get creative with it and instead of just you can throw enough money at any problem and solve it but having you don't have that 15 20 i don't know how much quarantine costs 15 20 million dollar budget whatever when you don't have that you have to get creative and when you look at some of the shot choices like when i talk about wreck and you wreck you have that unbroken shot as they go into the apartment building that one has a purpose because it's building tension. They've been right. finally waiting for this call. They're in the fire truck. It's building up. They're getting excited. This is our first call. Whereas with quarantine, quarantine did a couple of long one takers as it was just action just inside the building. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like, and hey, we did it because we're on a soundstage and we can. That's just how it felt. Agreed. So. Then we've been talking about Wreck for quite a bit and all the things that make it fantastic and why it's so much better than its American uh, remake. I'm curious. There are four movies in this franchise, all of them in wildly different scenarios. Like, you know, the first one was in the apartment building. The second one, I believe, um, was that the one at the wedding or was the third one at the wedding? I think the third one might have been at the wedding, I'm not sure. And then the fourth one was on a boat, was on a yacht. So they do all kinds of cool stuff with the Wreck series. I really, really love this one. I, you know, so glad. So I hope we get a fifth one out of it. But yeah, I'm curious of this franchise of the four films, Wreck One, Two, Three, or Four. What's your favorite uh, version? Or what's your favorite installment in this franchise? Let us know in the live chat or in the comments below or weekendhorrorgmail.com. Which one's your favorite entry? The first one, second one, third one, fourth one? Zombies on a boat. Want to hear what you have, what you guys think? I'm tired of these motherfucking zombies on this motherfucking boat. <laughs> 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 
All right. Well, it is about that time, the time that everybody's waiting for. The only you reason they hang out with a, us. You still haven't made a thing for it, have you? Made a what thing for it? Like a, a musical intro. Like a jingle or something. Jingle. Oh, I haven't. I don't even know where to start with that. Premiere Pro. I wouldn't know what to put. You know, something that I would like hit in here, like a, like an audio cue. Well, you I mean that could be like a little. little oh, like thing. something that happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah I, the, you, you, you go for it, Johnny. If I can put my yeah more if I, look. You want jingles? I'll give you jingles. I'll give you jingles. You want a gif? I mean, you can make a gif. I can put a gif here and play the gif, and it'll pop up on the screen like wow, you like that, and it'll go away. We could do that. Well, we'll figure something out. Right. Yeah. But yes, it is trivia time. There you go. There's your audio cue. (laughs) We'll just record that. Put some effects on it. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, it is. uh, It is trivia time. So, and uh, we are giving away a shit gets real limited edition number four shirt straight from the store. Limited edition number four shirt to the winner of this trivia question. So yes, take it away, Eugene. So the question is, get your Google fingers ready. Stretch them out. Ready. Spanish actor Javier Potet possesses what genetic disorder that he has used to bring many truly terrifying horror characters to life? So again, Spanish actor Javier Botet, B-O-T-E-T, possesses what genetic disorder that he has used to bring many truly terrifying horror characters to life. Uh, Chris Durham says, answer, Eartha Kitt in her least known role. Cat lady, 57 cats in one can of tuna. <laughs> uh, Aaron oh, shit. Quick. Let's, okay, because that was so fat. Wow, that came in really fast. Nerd Journal, come on, dude. <laughs> no, IBS. Frightening. Um, Aaron Race, it, was, uh, it looks like it was Aaron Race, but Charlie Welch says, give it to Aaron. I win a lot. <laughs> yes, Charlie Welch does actually win a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's why you never make a bet against him. <laughs> exactly. I think Charlie Welch has like every item from our shop. I think he's won every item from our shop at least once, I think. But uh, yeah, Aaron Reese, congratulations. Uh, uh, yes, and the answer is Marfan syndrome. Yes, he does have Marfan syndrome, and that allowed in the the uh, which results in hyperlasticity and elongated limbs and fingers, which allows him to portray a number of truly terrifying characters. He is, I believe, what was he? He's six foot seven. He could be Pumpkinhead. He could be Pumpkinhead. Yeah, really? But yeah, he is six foot seven, and and he weighs like one hundred and twenty three pounds fucking asshole so it's just and you know if you remember i think one of the one of the creepiest ones was in the guillermo del toro movie uh mama he played the the, the monster mama that, that was the long limbs <laughs> freaky yeah. stuff but yeah he has turned that into a real benefit and portrayed many a monster and freaky stuff so congratulations to aaron reese let me make sure i get that down aaron aronson Congratulations. We will get that shirt shipped out to you ASAP. Way to go. All right. Well, what are these other ones? Henry says, don't you treat me like a charity case, you bastard. <laughs> hey, I didn't say that shirt came with a free can of soup. 
Uh, Charlie Welt says three shirts, a mug, and a box set is what he's won so far. Yeah, we have uh, Travis Brown going STDs. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sir Chasm says, I have all the t shirts, season one mug, the nail gun poster, and the feast one sheet. Sir Chasm has won a bunch. He is one of the guys to beat. It used to be PhD Tony, but he stopped showing up because of his old man syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Travis Brown, yes, Javier Bertet also did play, portray Slender Man once. He did. He's up there. He's kind of like with Doug Jones. He's just like you know, like more because Doug Jones isn't as tall, doesn't have you know, and it is uh, I believe what Doug Jones has isn't as advanced or as 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 uh, I guess um, presented as much as Javier's. But Doug Jones, same thing, which is why he can play portray the characters he portrays. Uh, many you know monsters. Yeah, he was the gentleman. He was one of the gentlemen. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he was also Abe Sapien Hellboy series. You know Doug Jones, amazing ice cream guy in Legion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, all kinds of cool stuff. So, yes, congratulations to Aaron Reese for winning the uh, trivia question for today. We will get this shirt out to you ASAP. Thank you so much. Uh, let's see. Travis Brown, we have talked about contracted. We did. That's why you said STDs. That's why you're saying I said STDs. Oh, okay. Talking about contracted. <laughs> yes. I'm with you. We're there. We're good. Okay. We're- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm picking up top now. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Picking up what you're putting down. Well, I guess it's that time. That brings us to another close. Wait, what am I doing here? I, I, have no idea. I was wondering you're going to go with that grammar. To read makes my speaking English good. <laughs> I um, have been watching too much Yoda stuff. Look, Don Phonics worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. Shit. And that brings another episode of The Week in Horror to a close. Thank you all so much for listening. We loved having you, and we truly hope you enjoyed it. Join us next week when we take a look back at British horror transmutations. Mm. 80s techno zombies in the video Dead, the adaptation of Dean Koontz, Watchers, and the zany horror comedy Office Killer. That's what happens when JL eats a burrito. We'd like to send a special shout out to our amazing patrons who have helped us make the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all so much. We do truly appreciate it. Also, be sure to check out Josh Olson's new store, www.badsamurai.store. Josh does all the amazing artwork for our limited edition t-shirts, and he has some amazing new designs that you will all be sure to love. Pick up a shirt. Go help him out. He's a really awesome dude. Visit us at weekendhorror.net where you can find links to all of our episodes, our bios, if you're really that curious, our merch store and Teespring. Uh, what is this? Our merch store at Teespring. And of course, enter your email for a permanent entry to win a mystery horror shirt every month, courtesy of $6shirts.com. For more horror entertainment, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Followers get our daily splatter, a bit of horror movie info into right into your feed. So much fun. You learn all the little tidbits you never thought you really needed to know, but you do. You need to know these mm-hmm. things. Please like, subscribe, and smash that bell like Ripley popping the airlock on a queen alien for all the latest updates from the show. And be sure to leave us a comment. The interactions really help us with that dreaded algorithm. And lastly, if you truly love what we do here and you would like to and are able to support our production, you can do so through our Patreon. We have subscriber tiers as low as $1. That's $1 a month less than that Starbucks cup of coffee. Uh, You get bonus and exclusive content and horror films for every month for our highest tiers. However, if you prefer, you can support the show through a PayPal donation as well. 
Links to everything, including our Discord community, where you can find film recommendations, trailers, trivia games, horror watch parties, and even interact directly with us are in the description box. And as always, sharing the show with your friends and your local horror community is the absolute best way to help this show continue to grow. Thank you all for being the greatest audience a podcast could have. I'm Johnny O. I'm JL. And I'm Eugene. And we'll see you next week. And as always, stay scared.